to the end of the road till I can let go. Welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. This is the last... Damn it, I was going to sing the next part, but I, I couldn't remember the words. <laughs> I don't remember the words either. That's why I stopped where I stopped. But this, this is the last episode of the year outside of our Patreon exclusive episodes that, that we also have, like, I don't know, the, the Master and the Pupil series dropping on there. That's exclusive and just episodes that only come on Patreon. But outside of that... And apparently the Master and the Master. I don't know. That, that should the, just... Yeah, the new one, Two Masters with me and the Czar... And I guess it'll be any anyone who is like YCS champion, top of several YCSs, that that level of person. If we ever do an episode together, those will be called like two masters. But those series are basically previews of them on YouTube. But the main ones, the, the continuation of them is on our Patreon. So if you're interested in that type of thing, check out the I'm Their Podcast Patreon. Also, I added some perks this morning uh, just randomly. I added deck doctoring. So... Now, in the main character tier, uh, if you play Edison format and you want to have your deck deck doctor by me, you can. That is a thing that I will be willing to do once a month. For if you want to have your tier. deck uh, um, <laughs> malpractice doctored, send it to me. I'll malpractice the shit out of your deck. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, we, we have a lot of stuff going on. But this, again, this is the last podcast of 2022. And I'm really excited to introduce... Another member of the Gonna Finish That team that won the 3v3 YCS in Vegas in 20, was that 2019? We already had Dominic Couch on, and now we have Scott Page. Scott Page has several YCS tops. He's one of the best players I know. I've known this guy for over 10 years, which is crazy to say, uh, but I've known Scott for literally over 10 years now, and... He is just one of the funniest people, one of the most entertaining people I've ever met. And every time we talk, there's always an interesting conversation. We even uh, talk to each other a little bit in Pasadena. And he has some really cool ideas on like time rules and stuff like that. So we will get into all of that later on in the episode. But without further ado, uh, I would like to introduce you guys to YCS champion Scott Page. How are you feeling today, King? It's good, guys. I uh, feel good. One <laughs> thing I have to say, though... <clears throat> You call me. You call me one of the best players you know. We have to squash that like right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> wow. Literally, oh, no. literally cheeks. Like no, I'm not trying to hear that, Scott. I watched <laughs> you play. So the three v three that you guys won, I was watching day two coverage, the live stream, and because like Silverman was there, and I, I didn't expect him to get to top cut. Obviously, being a rock, but like he he fucking <laughs> actually he's actually playing through top cut. But as he's playing through top cut, I'm watching you on the side of him, literally fucking dismantle people in record time with the dinosaur deck like Silverman's sitting there tapping you like yo what do i do here and you're already done your match like your match is completely over uh dom is still playing his opponent but like steve and dom are playing and you are just sitting there packing up your shit because your opponent got packed up real quick it was insane so you are definitely goaded for that dinosaurs is broken as hell and especially people who knew that that deck was broken as hell at that tournament which i don't think a lot of people really like understood how actually broken that deck was for that tournament, but um, I would never call you a rock, uh, Scott. I I've known you too too long. You're definitely a good player. Yeah. So yeah. the week before the week before the YCS was the UDS, and my friend was using like his dinosaur deck that no like nobody nobody was playing. Yes. And I was like, I was kind of just like scraping people with it. I'm like, yo, this deck is really nice. And I wasn't playing at the time. Like two weeks. This is like two weeks before the UDS. A week before the YCS. Okay. And it was coming to Tulsa, which is like three or four hours from my house. So I was like, well, I mean, I might as well play, you know, I might as well like practice and try. So he gave me that goo and 
I was just, I was just scraping. Everybody. So wait, <laughs> let me get this straight. You actually weren't really playing modern Yu Gi Oh before the three v three YCS like that. No, I played Xu Ping uh, in top four, and I I played him in the last round of Swiss. But we I know Xu Ping for a while. He's like that's my guy. Yeah, yeah. And he 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 was in either way, so it was only top eight. So he gave me the win in the last round, which I I at first thought he did it because like oh that's my guy, but he did it because I didn't know what any of his cards did. Not like haha. I, I know, I don't know what your cards do, haha. Like, all 40 oh. of the cards in his main deck, I'm telling you, I did not know what oh. they did. Oh, okay. So he, like, he strategically was like, yeah, I'm not going to play you because if I play you in top cut, I don't want you to know what my cards do. So I'm right. like, okay, cool. That's actually nobody insane. really knew what his cards did at the time. What was he playing? What the fuck? The, the, the what's it called? The... Sky Striker? The, no, it's like the dragon, it's, uh, what's... Striker Dragon deck. Uh, oh. I can't remember the names of the guy. The what uh, Dragon Link Turbo, I think it might be. Yeah, Dragon like Dragon oh, Link. Okay, I, I yeah, actually the, don't yeah. know what those cards do, but I've seen them combo so many times in my life, and it freaks me out that they take 10 minutes. They create this ridiculous board, but I couldn't tell you how to start or end any combo that they've ever done. Like, I have no idea. To this yeah, day. the only card I knew it is did in his main deck was like Red Eyes, Darkness Metal, and Cosmic Cyclone. Everything yeah. else is like, I don't know. I've never seen this card before. Because I, yeah. I mean... I, I do say this in like all the interviews that I always get when after my matches and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I don't really know what the cars do. Which <laughs> there there was a time where I really really played and really tried. Same. That was probably prior to twenty, pro- probably like 2016. Was Same. The last time I that's, really really that's tried. when I quit Yu-Gi-Oh. I, 2016 was when I got out of Yu-Gi-Oh. I played very little at the beginning of 2017 but 2016 was when i was on my way out 2017 is where i officially quit in the beginning of the year uh i think that was like zoo format i played a couple of zoo formats and fusion substitute started to happen and i was like i'm good on this like i am good on this game um, i have a new job and it just was not giving play on the note of not knowing what your opponent's cards do for the brief time i played master duel one of my friends was also trying to get into it and he was like, how do you learn what all these different decks do? And I was like, I don't. I don't know what any of their cards I know what my deck does. I know what my deck does, and I don't know what any of their cards do. I just play my cards and hope it gets there. Yep. That's, <laughs> like, really that, that's pretty much been that's pretty much been my strategy for a while. Okay, so I, I stopped really trying pre uh Zodiac. I, I never touched a Zodiac card. And then I started playing again. I started actually trying again. And like 2018 for like that year. Yeah, that was a bad year from what I remember. Like, I, okay, so what I mean by bad year, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, is like Sky Strikers at full power, Goki's at full power, uh, the Thunder Dragon decks at full power at some point during that year. And also there was a Pendulum FTK deck that was consistent yeah. as hell. So I remember 2018 because I was judging. There's the only reason why I remember that year. I was still judging Yu-Gi-Oh! Regionals. And Jesse Cotton was like coming over my house, I believe, at that time to like grind regionals. He would come to Philly regionals, but he was spinning over my house. And I'd be like, what are you playing? He's like, oh, I'm just playing a deck that kills you turn one. And I was like, you mean like actual turn one? Or he's like, yeah, like they don't get to draw their six card. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, is it consistent? Because usually there's there's always going to be an FTK pretty much in every format. Like there's always some obscure if you yeah, draw insect imitation. Yeah, like the funny decks. Yes, you draw insect imitation and like Chris Lynn can show you a million ways that your opponent doesn't get to draw their six card. But it's so inconsistent and literally any hand trap stops it. So I was like, is it consistent? And he's like, yes, it happens over 80% of the games. If I go first, like I am going to kill you. And depending on what hand traps you have, I'm still going to kill you. Uh, and if I don't kill you, 
like by some miraculous way that the twenty percent happens, where like you lived, the board is still so ignorant that you might just lose because my board is That's not a okay. pendulum deck. Yes, it's like it's a pseudo FTK deck anyway. Yes, like even if I don't literally do eight thousand, because it'll just do eight thousand. But if that doesn't happen, like for some reason you hand trap the right moment or something, like you have multiple, and I stop, the ending board is still ridiculous like it's still not okay yeah. so it's like probably four negates or something yeah so playing in 2018 i remember thinking like oh maybe i can come back and then i kept seeing every form and i was like maybe it's a good time to jump in and i would see gokis go first and take someone's whole hand away and i was like okay so maybe it's not a good time to come and then i would wait and then like i would see an fdk deck and i'm like okay maybe it's not a good time to come back and then i wait well, longer and then it would keep it progressively just kept getting worse like summon thunder dragon colossus turn one you can't search and I have like a guy that pops cards. I have Sarah Yuja three times. I literally watched Furman Sarah Yuja three times turn one, like stack his hand the way he wanted, Thunder Dragon Colossus, like all these things, and pass with like a full hand, full field basically. And his opponents just couldn't do anything. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't a good time either. So there was never a good time for me in 2018 to like try to jump back in. Yeah, it was it was, it was, a, it was a weird time. It was yes. a weird time for sure. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, leading up to the 2019 Vegas, I, did I get that right? It is 2019 Vegas, 2020, February, 20, 2020, 2020. That's right. You guys yeah. won the last in-person tournament before the pandemic started. That's, yeah. that's how I, and I was it. pissed. I was pissed. Cause I was cooking. I was yeah. rolling. I'm like, you get us easy again. Like, <laughs> yes, you're going like, come on. And then they're like, Oh, never mind, Never play again. I'm like, Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> and the Dang. game changed too. And in the time between when you guys won, and where the game is right now, when that real events are happening again, like the game has changed drastically in these two years. It's like not even the same. Yeah. Even at, it's crazy. Like I, I can't play now. Like I literally, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Funny story. Like talking about the three v three, couch. I was just literally just talking to couch, and he's because yeah. we're going to team again for uh for for the for the next Vegas. Yeah, I heard. Right. Cool. I heard what your new what your next team name is going to be. The sequel yo, name. <laughs> yo, it's great. Did he say what it is? So. Silverman told me when you guys won, right, that, you know, I, I remember seeing on uh, the Konami stream that it was like, going to finish, that was the original name. And then when you guys do the next YCS, if you guys team up together, it'll be Back for Seconds. Yeah, and Back for Seconds is a crazy name. That is, the fucking, that is the craziest story arc for a, a team, like a group of people doing Yu-Gi-Oh! events I've ever heard. Like, I've never heard such a great so story good. arc. Back for seconds. Not, not to swear, both of those names were mine. I came up with Gun to Finish That and Back for Seconds, so I'm taking credit for That's both of those I'm names. That's what I'm saying, Scott. You're broken. Take you're credit. fucking... Take that credit. Scott, you are literally so fucking broken. That is so based. <laughs> literally, Back for Seconds and Gun to Finish That. And the best part about Gun to Finish That is that you guys actually won the YCS with that name. Like, that is an insane <laughs> name to finish a YCS. Gun to Finish That, and it's like three of the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh players, both physically and like how you <laughs> no, guys... We'll just, we'll just stick with physically. Physically <laughs> for sure. It's fun. Funny because like there was just that that event in particular was just like it, it was it was beyond like meant to be it was like beyond set well, stone. So the you story, tell, tell it from your perspective. Yeah, Kenny, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say the story that Dominic Couch told us was like insane because he was like they he was on somebody else's team and they kicked yeah. him off on the plane and then <laughs> it's just insane. like all and then he goes on to your team and then you guys all team up and went like. Even that part of the story is absolutely absurd. Yes. And then, so I want to hear more from your end. Yeah, from your perspective, I wonder how it was. 
So two, so like six months before the event, Silverman's like, "Yo, we're teaming." I'm like, "All right, sure, run it," because I, I I wasn't playing. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "We're I'm going to Vegas to have fun. I might as well enter the event, you know, and have a good time with Silverman." The original thing that we were gonna do, which is my idea, this would be this. I really wish we. Oh, well, I'm glad we won. But if we didn't win, this is what I wanted to do. We we each put up an X set amount of dollars. Me versus Silverman. We both enter the three v three with random teammates, people that went to the event with. No oh, teammates, because I guarantee you there was people that had no idea it was a 3v3. So uh, basically oh, like scrubs time. of the world. Yeah, yes. basically like the scrubs of the world. So and it's my random 3v3 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 team versus his random 3v3 team with his two spares right. and my two spares. <laughs> and like just try to grind your way yes. to like one or two wins. And then at the end of the event, we're probably going to play each other in the last right, round. Right, right. And see who, gets the, X7. see who gets the furthest, too. And then whoever gets the furthest can get some money. Because you know Silver exactly. likes to – he loves to gamble. Yeah, so he loves to gamble. Your... And we're in Vegas. So I'm like, we yes. got to run that. You got to run. But anyways, that would be so fun. Go ahead. So six months before, Silverman's like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna team. I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then, like, the time came, and I'm like, mm, I don't really know. And this is, like, before I was really trying. Yeah. So he's like, all right, I'll tell you what. If you top the UDS, like, you're going to Vegas. I'm like, all right, sure. So anyway, my friend cooked up the goo, mm-hmm. and it gives it to me. I'm like, this deck is – uh, like it's absurd. So you like, say your nobody... friend real quick. Are, are you able to say who it is? Yeah, his name is Stephen Bronder. There was a there was an ARG or a PPG or something like two weeks before the mm-hmm. UDS in Tulsa, and okay. he got that deck from my friend of my local named Saul, who always gets mad at me because I never give him credit for the deck. But they 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 gave me like they were like this deck is good, and I was like okay, and then like. I'm a pretty. I, I like to think I'm a pretty good deck builder. So like I I fix their like fix the fix the yes, issues with the deck. Yes. There's still a bunch of issues, and it could have been way better. Looking back, mm-hmm. I should have played Three Mystic Mine. It's well, like my every, favorite well, card hold ever. On. Let me interject right there. So you are correct. You should have played Three Mystic Mine. So should every other player in Yu-Gi-Oh's history from 2019 up until 2022 when the card got banned because there's no reason that no one was playing that card the way it should have been played, which is literally a Mystic Mind deck. 40 cards to support it and no monsters. That literally (laughs) won several tournaments in 2022 until they officially said, okay, we get it. Enough is enough. It took an actual deck based on Mystic Mind and nothing else for Konami. Like, it wasn't the Sky Striker deck. It wasn't the fucking deck that Hansel won two national championships with. It, it literally took an actual 40 cards with zero monsters and just Mystic Mind for Konami to realize, like, okay, maybe it is actually as bad as they say it is. But yes, every player in Yu-Gi-Oh!'s history that played the game from 2019 forward, when that card came out, I think it came out in 2019, should have been like playing Upstart Mystic Goblin. Mind. Yes. Like, you could correct every deck in the history by putting Mystic Mind, and, and uh, I, I wonder how many Metaverse there was back then, but I'm sure that every deck could have been better at in that regard. But yes, you are correct, Scott. Yeah, Mystic Mind is it's my favorite card ever, so... Is it really? Like, is your number, oh, yeah. number one? Oh, my God. Oh, are that's, you kidding me? There's, there's so You know how many games I've won because I just activated Mystic Mind? So toxic. Like, the card is literally... It's just insane. <laughs> so, okay, so... You got the goo from people at your locals, which is actually something that happens pretty commonly amongst some of the best Yu-Gi-Oh players in the world, right? People like people know the faces, they know the names of some people who like top a lot, who win, who win a lot, all that stuff. But they rarely know, like sometimes ideas come from the guy at your locals who's been playing this random offbeat deck for a long time or just has like some crazy idea, but he always does. No one usually listens to him because usually they're playing something that's just not good 
in reality. But every once in a while, that person or that group of people will have something that is genuinely gold. Like this is genuinely a really broken deck, but no one's on it, like you said. And not to say that these guys are like some bums that just happen to always have crazy strategies and you usually won't believe them. But I know from my experiences, from my perspective, I've topped events because of like with card choices or with decks because of someone at my locals playing something that I'm like, I'm having a hard time in this matchup or I literally lost the match and it made me start to scratch my head. Like I just lost to a guy at my local. So I usually beat like every time and he's playing some what other people would call like a meme or bullshit. But I'm like, yo, I think this thing is actually not okay. Like the more you start to look at something, you're like, I don't think that's okay what it's doing. Like no one's talking about it. Everyone's like, oh no, this is the best deck. And you know, Yu-Gi-Oh players are like a hive mind. Like once the group decides that this is the best deck, it has the highest ceiling, you know, all of that. It's right. really hard to not go with the herd and just be like a Shizu tier best deck should play at every event. No question. And that, you know, that might be true. Or you could be like Dominic Couch who almost just won a YCS with Flunderies because <laughs> yeah. that deck typically doesn't have the best pilots. So he said, fuck it. This deck keeps getting to the finals of literally every YCS. Like Flunderies has been to the finals way too many times this year. And every time it comes down to no offense, but the pilot just doing something that is less than ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so I always said to myself, I wonder what would happen if a real person, like a super real person picked up Flunderies and just played and look at what happened immediately top four. And if yeah. I'm, like, if he got to the finals, who knows what would have happened, but uh, stuff like that does happen often in Yu-Gi-Oh where these, these people come up with ideas that other people just aren't ready for. And it, it takes somebody with a, with a good deck building mentality to to push it to the next level and like edit the deck and make it better. Like they usually go a little too far in the tech choices or like this card is just actually terrible. You don't need this in the deck. Um, but yeah, editing is great. Editing is important. Editing is very important to doing well in Yu-Gi-Oh! And the editors don't get enough credit. So I'm glad that uh, that you recognize that. But yeah, I uh, I appreciate you saying like shouting out the people who who actually came up with the deck originally and then you taking it to oh yeah for level. sure yeah like i would we would not have i would not have i would not have done anything i would have probably played some other you know nonsense but yeah, yeah nobody 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 even knew that deck was on the radar like it was literally not on anybody's radar that's what i'm saying like and so the weird thing is here's the weirdest part about you guys playing dinosaurs and like winning with it you know jared randolph Yes. And he, you know, Silverman calls him Trap Eater. Uh, so people in, people <laughs> in the Philadelphia area call him Trap See, Eater. By the way, that and nickname is insane. That nickname is wild, especially the origin. Traps. Of it, but <laughs> so Jarrett Randolph is a good player from the Philadelphia area. He's from Delaware, but he always plays in like all the Philly locals. And he's been pretty much one of the best players in our area for a while now, especially because a lot of the other players quit. And he was Damn, playing, shade. I, I got to call it like it is. <laughs> this is the I'm <laughs> podcast. I am just, I am, I am very blunt. Everyone knows this about me, but it is, it's just true. I always say, and Silverman says it, McCabe says it, like Philly has gotten so much weaker because all of us quit. Like literally. Hey, look at my area. You you had my area is the epitome of that. Yeah. You guys, you guys have some of the best players who ever played Yu-Gi-Oh and all of them are, all of them have quit pretty much. And like, it's the same thing has happened to Philly. So Philly's best players, all the YCS champions in Philly are just, except Shu Ping, right? Like Shu Ping is low-key yeah, carrying shipping super nice shipping yeah. is carrying philly on his shoulders and i guess actually christian arena is too but like he's not oh he's the he's the best player in my yeah, opinion yes like christian you're not gonna air this right you're not gonna air this podcast oh this is 100 percent getting aired no we g cannot hear me say that know, writing him you yeah that, that just cannot happen you please edit point? Edit <laughs> there, are, there are 19 i'm 19 minutes and 40 seconds and i will edit that out um, no, i'm trolling you can put it out yeah he, like we can get to g later he's that's like my guy 
Yes. That's like my, that's my guy. Well, I knew him before he ever topped a single tournament. Like imagine. Me too. I, I knew um, him when he was asked. So like yes. now I know him when he's super well, nice. So, so like, I have, I have the craziest experience with like some of the best players we've ever played because Furman is the same exact story. Like <laughs> yeah. I knew Furman before he topped a single tournament ever. And the trajectory of like these people who come from our area, right? Like the, the tri-state, like Philly, Jersey, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really crazy to see what happens to the people that, not going to lie, and I've said this in a previous episode, but they kind of get teased in our groups. Like we we low-key just straight up used to tease Furman. And like I know uh, Steve and them used to tease like Christian and stuff like that. And not, when I say tease, like, like don't take it so serious. Like, oh, like you bullied him or whatever. But when you don't have any tops or any wins or anything, and you're in a group of people who do have all of those things, you know how it is. Like you know how the group chats get. Yeah. You know that people put rings up as soon as the arguments get crazy. They start just putting fucking rings. And it's just like, you can't really say anything because you don't have any. And that's just how toxic and fun, but it's fun. Like it's so fucking fun. And those people tend to just, I don't know what happens, but something about the people who've gotten teased the most. Yeah, it it becoming, builds them up. Like they it gives them it, it, gods. They surpass yeah, the whole group chat, like the whole group it, chat. It lights a fire under them because, because I was the same way. Like I was in a group with like me and my boys and yeah. I hadn't taught for like three years. Like I had like one top, like my first top yeah. and I hadn't taught for like three years. So they're like, Oh, and you topped, what did you win? Like a VCR? And I'm like, <laughs> Yo, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like that's crazy. Oh, so it's like, oh, oh well, fuck you guys. Like, oh, I have to like, wow. you have to like, you have to like rise above. You know, oh, like you have to show them that you know you God. are that guy. VCR uh, is crazy. The worst part is, that's me all the time. Half the people listening to this podcast might not know what a VCR is. Yeah, true. That's the worst. That's the worst part. Google VCR if you don't know what we're talking about, because it is actually that old. Like that acronym, I don't even know what it means anymore. I have but, no idea. Yeah, I don't video, some other. It has to be video, but we we after that, I have no idea what VCR actually <laughs> yeah. means. But it's wild they would say that to you. But that is that is just a taste because it gets worse than that. But that is a taste of how you yeah, deal group it chats can get much worse. Than the that. top player group chats are always hilariously toxic, and the players who get teased the most usually, in my experience, become fucking godly and surpass the entire group chat. There was a group chat we had. I think it was called three and a half champions or something. Ooh. And it, and it was like me, Silverman, Jerry and Furman. I think, it, I think that was the group chat and it was called something along the lines, like three and a half champions or three champions in a, and a scrub. Or some, it was some ignorant ass name. Like it was something ignorant. And eventually I remember one day I came back to that group chat cause it died after a while. I came back to that group chat and I was and like, Furman is the nicest one. I now. said, yo, how crazy is it that Furman has more accomplishments than everyone in here? Like, it's, <laughs> it is not close anymore. I was like, it's not close. Like, that is fucking wild. Like, that is insane to think about. But yeah, that's just how it be. So yeah, Christian has definitely surpassed everyone who's ever teased him in Yu-Gi-Oh's, like, pretty much ever. Like, the only person who could talk to Christian at this point is, like, the Chris LeBlancs of the world, the Jesse Cottons. Right. Like, that's it. Like, the yeah. list is very small. Like, the Billy Breaks, the Jeff Jones. Like, those are the only people who could say anything to these this, this new squad of elite duelists but yeah it's a uh, good t- i love i love you give me i love the the community like even if i don't necessarily play the game like yeah, i still just, just i just sure. love the people so much i even tried in 2010 i tried to quit Yu-Gi-Oh. well i did quit Yu-Gi-Oh in 2010 a little bit because frog ftk was happening to play magic the gathering and 
Magic the Gathering, you know, it it is what it is. Like it's it's one of the first TCGs ever. Uh so it has its flaws for sure. Like I think the whole land system is terrible. Uh, and they just still won't fix that. But like the land system is garbage. But I played it for a while when Yu-Gi-Oh! was really bad to just do something else in my time because I would literally FTK people at my locals and a 40-year-old man tried to fight me because I FTK them game one. <laughs> game God, two, yes. while we were siding, he was like taking so long to side that I said, you know what? You win game two, I'm going first again. And he literally looked up and like his face just turned beet red. Yes, he was that color. He fucking turned beet red. <laughs> he turned beet red. And he was like, what'd you say to me? And I was like, uh, I said that you win game two and I'm going to go first game three. So like, I'm not going to lie. I'd be fucking pissed. He was so <laughs> angry because he was an older guy. He did construction. He's 40 years old. And he used to come to play Yu-Gi-Oh! as ther- like it was therapy for himself. Yeah, just he, for fun. Yeah, he, he works construction. He works fucking in the sun. This is in the summertime, I think, because Frog FTK was definitely summer of yeah that was a national day. yes yep. it was it, so it was summer of that year so it was hot as fuck he comes in <laughs> yeah. he's like done construction Sunburn. all day yep he's pissed off already because work is just terrible <laughs> in the summertime for construction workers and here my little black ass goes telling him you don't get to play a single game of you he didn't get to play a game like you he don't did get therapy play. for the next 40 minutes yes so he literally sits down round one gets me i to owe him and he doesn't get to play a card and doesn't get to draw his six card in either game and he loses his shit. And like, I was really smug about it too. So I was just taunting him low key. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, was you're a Yu-Gi-Oh smug. player, hello? Yes, exactly. There you go. I was super smug about it. I was way younger, obviously. Um, this is 12 years ago. So I was way younger, way more smug. And he could not deal. And I remember he said, motherfucker, do you want to go outside? And at the time, I was like, I'm like, a, I'm a kid compared to this guy. Like he had a wife and kids and everything. So I was looking, looking at him like, is he really serious? But he was so angry. So yeah, I quit Yu-Gi-Oh to play Magic. And during my time playing Magic, I just realized like, as much as I liked the game at that time, because Jace the Mind Sculptor was out and a lot of cool things were happening in Magic, the community I, I can't fuck with the Magic the Gathering community at all. I just do not like the people. The player base has never resonated with me. There are so many... I don't know what the proper word is to call them, but they're just not fun. Like To put it simply and to not get like too derogatory on them, because I could go in harder, but they just weren't the kind of fun people that the Yu-Gi-Oh community has. Like Don't get me wrong. Yu-Gi-Oh! has some problematic people for sure, especially yeah, every, back then. Every community for sure. Every has. community, exactly. Every community has problematic people. Yu-Gi-Oh! is one of the craziest communities I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but magic is just like it's so outrageously boring to me, just how the people are and how serious they are. And like a lot of my jokes would just go over their head. Like they don't catch on to a lot of things. And a lot of them are older too. So when you try to trade with them, this is one of my biggest complaints too. And then we'll get back to like the main part of this podcast but like one of my biggest complaints with the magic the garden community is that i realized and i was very young but i realized that money doesn't really move them the way it does people in Yu-Gi-Oh. for example if i need a card in Yu-Gi-Oh, i could literally walk up to somebody and and pay the price and get the card right in magic because the players are older typically have careers and like they just don't need money you walk up to somebody and they'd have a page of like something that you need like a fucking page of it in there. Yeah, like a $40 card. And you're like, yo, I'll give you $40. That's worth yes, $40. That was me. Cause I would be so frustrated and I'm not really a cheap guy. Cause I don't like trading. So I'm not a cheap guy when it comes to just getting the cards if I need them. So I'd be like, yo, um, what do you want for this? And they'll like, 
like, oh, let me see your trades. I'll show them my, show them my trades. And they're like, I don't really see anything I want. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because I'm, I'm, newer, I'm new to magic. So my binder's not the craziest yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I will just pay you for it. This is something very normal in the Yu-Gi-Oh world. And it's something yeah. that works 99.9% of the time in the Yu-Gi-Oh world too. Money talks. And, and they're just like, uh, no, I don't really accept cash for cards. And I'm like, well, why not? That's what it's worth. Like we would go on this site called the blacklotus.com or something like that. I forget what, I think that was what it was called. And it basically was their TCG player way back in the day. It would just have the actual market price of every card. So you just put in a card and just make sure that nobody can get cheated out of anything. Uh, you're getting your full value. This is the average price of the card. This is the high, this is the low. It gives you everything, right? All analytics you need. And I'd be like, yo, I'll pay you. Like, this is what the card's worth. Like, are you good with it? And they'd be like, absolutely not. Like, they just would not budge. And I'm like, but you have a page of it. You have nine of them. Like, I'm looking at nine of them. And they're like, nah, I just don't really, I don't really want the money. I'd rather get like actual cards for it. And I, I get it the older I am now, because for me, when somebody wants to buy a card from me, for example, if they say like, oh, I bought it off you for X amount. And I'm just like, well, at that point, I'd rather keep it. Like, it, it, I don't really need the money. In terms of yeah. like what the, you know, sometimes the car is just like, if, if a card is a dollar, I'm not selling it. That's just me personally. I'm just not selling yeah. it. Because when at you have that a point, job, that, that's yeah. the thing. Like a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh players are a younger crowd and they yes. don't have jobs or they have like McDonald's jobs or whatever. Right. Like low paying, like starter jobs. Right? Yeah. It's Especially a young if game. you're young and in school, whatever. And so anyway, when you have a job, even outside of trading card games, it's insane how much, not that money doesn't matter but how much less impact it could have. Like you giving me $40 for that card doesn't change my life in any way. It doesn't make my bills easier. And then me paying $40 for a card doesn't really make my bills harder. Like it's like, what I didn't understand about people in magic was that they are natural investors in that game. They naturally have a mindset to hold until prices skyrocket. Cause they just all like at, in 2010, they had already known that prices get outrageous because they already had Moxes and Black Lotus and right, things the old like cards. They had their old cards become thousands of dollars. About 2010, Magic cards were already thousands of dollars. The, the, the Power Nine was crazy in 2010, and obviously in 2020 it went like through. You could buy a house off of uh, Power Nine, but they knew already as an investment like old cards go up so exponentially. So they just naturally held on the cards longer, and now we're seeing that happen in Yu-Gi-Oh. Right, so in 2020. Yu-Gi-Oh cards just went crazy if you had old shit. Like old ultimate rares didn't even matter what it was. Old ghost rares didn't matter what it was. If you have a ghost first edition anything, you have a fucking ulti first edition anything. In 2020, you were getting thousands of dollars for it no matter. I don't care what it was. And that's just like something that now the community understands. Like, okay, so holding cards actually does have intrinsic value in Yu-Gi-Oh. Like it's not, it's not as simple as the game is young. It's only been out for, you know, less than 20 years. And Legend of Blue Eyes cards, while they could be expensive in 2010 they weren't like they weren't as crazy as they are now like legend of blue eyes first edition cards now are fucking insane like it's not mm-hmm. even it's just un unreal what a box of legend of blue eyes first edition goes for in 2022 like tens of thousands of dollars for an lob first edition box yeah they don't exist so. they don't exist yeah um so that just that, that was my little like tangent on <laughs> me trying magic and like how different the communities are between magic the gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh. have you ever tried any other card game scott um, I played, I don't know if you guys are going to know what this game is. Yu-Gi-Oh is mainly the only game I've ever played, but I played a game just like basically just for fun called Kaijudo. I remember Kaijudo. Do, you, do you know what Kaijudo is? Isn't that Duel like, Masters? I, is, is that Duel yeah, Masters? Yeah, it's basically Duel Masters rebooted. Yeah. And I remember playing and like there was all these broken cards 
and you had to wait like 10 turns to play them. I played Yu-Gi-Oh my whole life. So I'm like, yep. Ooh, I'm going to play this insane card on my first turn. <laughs> and I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, uh, put mana down, do some nonsense next turn. Uh, I'll put mana down. I guess I, I'll <laughs> talk to me in eight turns In eight turns. It's going down. Talk to but me like, in eight turns. It's just no, it, it just didn't have fun. Not being able to do like whatever the fuck I wanted to do. Yes. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. I have a uh, student who's Kenny's cousin, actually. And I've been teaching him Edison format, teaching him Go format. He just started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! in 2020 during the pandemic because we were working from home. And yeah. great time to get into anything, right? So he, uh, I told him the reason why Yu-Gi-Oh! is the most difficult card game. I told him that the reason is because in Yu-Gi-Oh! you can literally do anything. You can do turn one, play all of your cards, or you can literally play none of your cards. And there are times when both, like either of those situations are correct. Like in Edison format, you could do nothing turn one, and that is the right play. In modern Yu-Gi-Oh!, you will die. Uh, yeah. You need to play all of your cards in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! usually. <laughs> yeah. uh, otherwise, you will die, and you won't get to play them ever. So, like, there are Yu-Gi-Oh! is just such a complicated game because of the decision tree that you have. It's literally as much as you want or as little as you want. And that is a crazy thing to grasp because when you play things like Hearthstone and Magic and Kaijudo, games where you can charge one mana per turn and essentially do one thing per turn... Uh, it it literally controls the player, like it controls you from being bad. It controls you from making. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. That's true. That, I never thought of you, it that way. Yeah, you can't make that many decisions. It's the same thing as why I don't think goat format is as great as a lot of people believe it is. Because in goat format, you have twenty normal summons in your deck, and that seems cool and all. If you want to play like a really nice slow game, but at the end of the some day, some people that like that, yeah, like hey, if yes, you like that, go for it. If you exactly, I play Edison format. I'm a, I'm playing Boomer Yu Gi Oh too. So like I, I love I love I, Edison format. My I goodness. love it too. But like I I understand that I am playing Boomer Yu Gi Oh where I can go like past my turn one and I won't die. Doing yeah, you won't that. die. Yeah, and people hate that. Like people, you know, like the Christian arenas of the world, the the. The packs, like all of those guys who are enjoying like modern Yu-Gi-Oh, they might go back to Edison and be like, this shit is so outrageously slow. Like, how do people do yeah. this? Because they're used to literally killing their opponent before they even draw a card, right? And, and meanwhile, in Edison Foreman, I'm like, Gold Sark turn one, which is the craziest concept for a 2022 player. Like, you're gonna wait two turns to get a card? That's wild. But that is why Yu-Gi-Oh is is really difficult. And uh I I think like GOATs. To the, to the point, goats is a format where like you can do usually one thing per turn. Like you can set magician of faith or set gravekeeper spy or set Simpson serpent if you want. Like that type of thing. And your decision tree is very very small because you can only do one normal summon per turn. And your deck is comp is comprised of mostly normal summons and goats. Like there's not that many right. summons in that format. And as Yu-Gi-Oh goes on, you can just do more and more and more turn one and more and more and more every turn that progresses after that. Like Edison format is a power crap goat format. Like it has a lot of normal summons. But then out of nowhere, your opponent can also just go summon Blizzard. Blizzard bring back a guy, special Gale, special Boar, Synchro, make this guy's yeah. Dark Arm. And next thing you know, you're like, wait a second. Like, I just got fucking, I got modern Yu-Gi-Oh! just now. Like, this guy just played modern Yu-Gi-Oh! in one turn out of nowhere. And that could happen. Um, Sometimes in Edison, I'm scared to pass. Because, like, the modern Yu-Gi-Oh! in me is like, oh, if I pass, I'm going to die. Yeah. And then they're like, set a monster pass. I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> That's the best. I got a chance here. Like, yeah. Every time somebody sets a monster, I don't care. I don't care what deck they're even playing. If you set a monster in Edison format, I am I am so happy because I just, I hate, I start off the format liking setting monsters. I liked Ryko a lot. I liked Hamster and stuff like that. And those cards, are, they're, they're fine. Like there's decks that yeah. play them and they're fine, right? But I got so jaded midway through my Edison experience that I just hate setting monsters now, which is why I'm primarily, I'm primarily a Blackwing and Lighthorn player now. I just want to be face up 
most of the time. Like, I can't deal with turn one, my opponent wanted to die roll. They drew six, which is crazy. And then they get the setup. They get, <laughs> yes, it's fucking crazy, right? Like, it's crazy that there's no decision making when you want to die roll. There's none. And that's something we could talk about later, too. But in Edison format, you want to die roll, you go first, you set Raiko. And now it's my turn. I'm going second, and I have a Raiko, too. I hate that. Like, I hate that entire thing. It bothers me so much. And it's made me very, very jaded. This whole, like, who gets to set a monster first? Even with the zombie deck, like me and Nazar were playing recently. We uploaded a video to our YouTube and like we had Goblin Zombie in a mirror match, but our opponent went first and set his Goblin Zombie. So now he gets yeah, to Kai- a- he-, he gets to Kai's me. That's like a, yeah, the, the Kai's problem. That's like a, a big reason why there's so many decks that like are just not good. Yeah. <laughs> if you're setting a monster, like you, you, your deck loses on turn two to Caius. Yes, we 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 literally have a video. I think it's a. It, I guess I didn't upload the second one, but we have a second. Me and Azar have a second video that I haven't put up yet. But the, in the second video, we play a zombie mirror match, and game one, the guy wins the die roll, and the exact worst case scenario happens. He opens up like set goblin zombie, and then he Caius's our goblin zombie, our, our yeah, turtle, just, our tomato. It sucks. And then we just lose the game. Like he has, by the end of game one, he has so many more cards than us and just like done so much damage that there was no real way to win outside of some random return from different dimension, like OTK, if, if we were lucky. Uh, the game two, spoiler alert, we get to set Goblin Zombie first and he fucking gets destroyed. Like, <laughs> yeah, Kai's problem. Yeah, he, he, by Kai, you're not wrong. It literally was like in phase, wing blast your back row, draw, Kai SU, game's over. Like the game fucking yeah. ended insta. And I just thought to myself, this isn't, the most skill intensive thing. Like there was nothing to that. He did the same thing to us. We did the same thing to him and game three, honestly, it's probably going to be the same. It's spoiler alert. It was, he went yeah, first. Going, going first is like, and every, every format has its issues, but that, yeah. that's just something you just grow to accept. Yes. Like when you play Edison, you're just like, okay, well, I mean, what am I going to do? Not set this goblin zombie. Yes. And I'm probably cooked. And what you're saying, like how, what are you going to do? Not set it. That mindset, that thought, that is tr- so triggering for me because you are right. What are you going to do? Like, yeah, there's like, so many times when I'm do? like, I don't want to play into it, but I literally can't do yeah, anything to. else. Yeah, you like, what are you like? Do? If you have Diva Goblin Zombie, like, you have to set the you literally zombie. fucking have to set your pyramid turn, your Goblin Zombie, your tomato turn one, and accept the fact that they have Caius, you probably lose. Like, you probably actually factually lose. Um, but that's that's Yu Gi Oh! And I, and I love the game still, uh, and I love my boomer Yu Gi Oh! And I'm glad that so many people are getting into it. Like, I'm so glad about that. Yeah. It's, it's something that happens in modern when modern either is ass or it's boring. I feel like the format, I mean, I don't play, keep in mind, I don't play, but I feel like the format right now is like the best format of all time ever because everybody that plays it tells me, yo, one mistake and like, you're, you're just dead in the ditch. Cooked. Yeah. Cooked. So, and like, that's what it is. Like my friend, okay, this is a crazy story. My friend is like, <clears throat> You know, like at the last YCS, he's like, yo, give me Jesse Cotton. They're both X2, like round, like, was it round nine? Or, there's 10 rounds. So it's the first round of day two, round nine. He's right. like, yo, give me Jesse Cotton. Give me Jesse Cotton. And I'm like, you need to, you need to come down. Right. Calm like, down why do you there. want one of the top five <laughs> yeah, players? I'm ever. trying to play a guy that's like, you know, drooling at the mouth. He can yes. like barely put his fucking hands together. <laughs> anyway, so he plays Jesse Cotton round nine. And he's like, oh, I was like, well, you got what you wish for. And he made, he told me, he came up to me after the round. He's like, oh, I'm so mad. I made one tiny, tiny mistake and I lost the whole game because of it. Jesus. He was like, if I, if I played anybody else in the room, there's no way they would play that perfect. I'm like, you, you asked for this. Yes. Like, you asked to play the goat. You asked <laughs> to play the fucking machine. Like he's actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, a machine. Literally. The guy and I'm who... just like, 
Yep. You asked for this. What do you What do you want me to like? What do you want me to tell you? Oh, oh damn, that sucks. Like, no, <laughs> I have nothing but belief that the format has to be good because the people who have been doing well in the last six months are cracked out of this world. So <laughs> yeah. if we just go over some of the more recent YCSs that I've seen, we got Joshua Schmidt, three-time YCS champion. We got Chris LeBlanc winning his fourth YCS, fucking absurd. You got mm. Christian Arena winning the remote dual YCS like last weekend. You have Hani Jawari winning his second YCS after a 3v3 YCS win, so he now has a solo one. And the list goes on. Like, there's just so many. Like, I'm forgetting people in that in that span of just this is only the last few months, by the way. Like, this is not that wasn't even a six month span that I just gave you. That was just like the last two or three months. And all of the people that I just named, Jesse Cotton won again. My bad, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Jesse got a win after getting third. Yeah, no, getting after second, getting like, second four, yeah. like four times in one year, which is that's some Billy Break shit. Like he's insane, and he finally gets a win right before the year is in. Like I'm not leaving this fucking year until you guys give me a win. Like somebody's gonna cough up a win in one of these finals. Um, it's it's crazy that that the people who are good are so consistent right now. But it's, it has to in my head, the format has to be somewhere decent for them to perform this well so often. Yeah, it's it, it can't it can't just be luck. It and just can't be. It's there. I mean, it, it could be, but, but the, the same chance, people just doing right. well over and over again. It's just right. They must like, be the luckiest people in the world. You know. Yes, because it's 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 basically it's possible, but it it is improbable. Yeah, you said people are playing Edison. I was going to get to the point where um, if modern format is really boring, people will be like, okay, well, I'm done here. I'm just going to go, you know, do something else. Because, like, you can only play so much of the same thing. And it's also just mirror, 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 mirror. And if you're already, you know, like, you can't really learn more once you get to a certain point in each format. It's like, it's like you could be a grandmaster in chess and you could trip, like, train, 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 train. You're not going to get much better. You're you're gonna be right. insane, period. Right. So that's p- true. Pe- people are going back to play like Edison format and stuff, and I'm yeah. having a good ass time playing Edison. Yeah, I saw you recently played in an online tournament. I actually watched. Uh, you played against a guy named Hydro Pump. He is a patron of ours, and he's one of the early one of the earliest patrons. Uh, so shout out to Hydro Pump. But Hydro Pump is usually a Dragon Turbo player, and he finally correct- he's been playing Black Wings a lot. Well, he finally corrected his behavior because Dragon <laughs> Turbo is just not a very good deck. Like it is, it is yeah. just not, if, like it is. Tight. A, it's the casino. Like if you want to play Dragon it Turbo, is the casino. just go to the casino. It's the same exact thing. Like it is the most casino deck I've ever seen because it can absolutely. That's a deck that'll trick you. It's kind of like Lightsorn, where like you do crazy things. Yes. Four games in a row, and you're like, oh my god, this deck is insane. Yep. But what you don't see is when you're like, uh, set to pre-dragon. Uh, I guess I'll pass. Yes. Like. That deck will trick you. Same with Light Sword and stuff. Yeah, like that. it has an allure to it, and it's also fun because Yu-Gi-Oh players, we all are like this. We like drawing cards. Every oh yeah, we like us. doing we like doing things. Period. Every single Yu-Gi-Oh player loves drawing cards, and that deck draws more cards than any deck in the game. It fucking get in phase. Super Jew for six. Super Jew for six. Super Jew for six. Cards of consonants. Draw two. Search blue eyes. Literally pot agree. Like it does so much crazy shit, and it feels so good when it when it's working. Oh, it's crack. It is crack when it's working, but when you go pass and your opponent went <laughs> yeah, first and they, and they set Goblin Zombie, guess what? You're actually dead. Not joking. You lost that game right there. You actually factually died. Like my set Goblin Zombie goes from like, oh, I was just going to do Caius to you die. Yeah, do a lot of damage. Yes. And sometimes, you know, there's always going to be nowadays, like there will be one Dragon Turbo player who gets in the top cut of a tournament 
But I don't expect that deck to bait. I don't expect it to ever win unless it's someone's day super hard. Because at some point, it the deck is going to catch up to itself. You're just going to yeah, run into a guy who you might be better than. And it doesn't matter that you're better than them because your deck is just going to say, you don't get to play this game. Like you just, yeah, I, remember, I remember, go ahead, King, my bad. No, I was just going to say those decks can always get like a top spot because that's all, all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. It just has to roll. It's just to roll well a couple times, but for it to roll well, 10 games in a row is like, eh, like it can roll well enough, but it, yeah. eventually it's going to fizzle out and it doesn't have any back foot. Like yes. Once it's on the back foot, it doesn't play back from that. So it's like, yes. Also, I just want to say this too, because a lot of the Edison, a lot of Edison format tournaments right now are still on a smaller end, and Dragon Turbo actually benefits vastly from playing Yo, less rounds. Yeah, less rounds the better for you. For the sure. less so I even tell people like at locals, uh, we have a three round local. It's three rounds no matter what because it starts at seven o'clock, so the store has to close at a certain time, and mm-hmm. so it's three rounds. And then usually we'll do a cut to like top eight, and then we'll play one round and top four split. Everybody gets you know, half of a box or whatever. That's the usual thing, unless there's a lot of people and then it gets, you know, greater. Um, but because it's three rounds, Swiss, no matter what, no matter how many people show up, it's three rounds, no matter what. So because of that, Dragon Turbo at my locals is actually a, a good deck to play. Like you can just high roll in a night and cream everybody. Like no one beat you. You only had to win, really only got to win two rounds, but like you could easily do a three rounder and be done with it. But if the tournament was 11 rounds, like YCSs are now, like well, every YCS is 11 rounds now. If a tournament was 11 rounds and you're playing Dragon Turbo, good fucking luck. Yeah, like, you're probably going X3 every time. Like, I'm not, not even joking. Like, good. I don't care how good you are. Like, you could say, oh, like, you could be good with the deck. At the end of the day, the deck is just going to decide sometimes that you don't get to play. And over the course right. of 11 rounds, it is really difficult. And let's be clear. When I say 11 rounds, I'm talking about 11 rounds with real killers in the tournament. Like, like YCS level people. Because with Edison is still very young. In terms of, uh, it's funny, I'm talking about 12-year-old format. Like, Edison is still very young in its adoption. Like, a lot of people, a lot of the killers of Yu-Gi-Oh! are just now starting to take interest in it because it's what you said. They're getting bored of modern, and so now they're, they're officially going back to Edison. And what you're going to see is that there's going to be a takeover where some of the best modern players start taking Edison seriously, and they start fucking taking over Edison format. Like, that is just going to happen eventually. Um... And so right now, Edison tournaments, they are in this weird spot where, like, you'll play somebody, and, like, for example, me and Nazar played the guy, and he literally, oh. when Goyo Guardian attacked your, your tomato, he took it. I saw that part of the video. I he, laughed he, it was early. the tomato? Let's go. He attacked Go like, Goyo Guardian, attacked <laughs> your go. tomato, and he oh, fucking, crazy. he took the tomato. Like, that is, but that's not even, like, that's just such a crazy thing to happen, but that would never happen these I want to get that guy on the podcast. Like, yeah. I want to interview him. The one thing that I have noticed, the one thing that I've noticed for sure in Edison is I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'm like a six in Edison so mm-hmm. far. I'm still learning a lot. Yeah. You you brought up that match versus the hydro pump guy. Actually, that is the match that like showed me that, damn, if you played perfectly, you're going to win for sure. Like there's no world where you're supposed to win, but yep. if you played perfectly, you're going to win. Cause like there was like a weird interaction. He's like, he's like black whirlwind, summon Sirocco. And like, it's like a five back row, five back row thing. Yep. I saw it. It was so good. And I, I, I knew he had solemn. I knew he had solemn. He's like black wings. He just kept drawing like such good cards back to back to back. I'm like, I just can't win. Let me just interject was- real quick. I messaged him last night and said, I just watched your video where you played against Scott page or whatever. And I said, you draw broken as fuck with the black wing. Like you, he draws broken with dragon turbo. Cause he got third at a tournament 
with Dragon Turbo. No, I'm sorry. He got, I think he got second. I think he got second. So Hydro Pump has like absolutely dominated some of the online Edison tournaments. And it's funny because he posts a re he posts the replays on his, I want to watch that. He posts his replays. So the funniest thing you'll ever see, Scott, watch his dragon turbo second place, uh, video where he shows every match he plays. So you get to see his opening hand. You see his opponents. Mm -hmm. He opens drops crazy, bro. He (laughs) opens future fusion specifically. He specifically opens future fusion in like, not even joking the first five or six games straight of the video. So like several matches, like two oldest opponent, two oldest opponent, two oldest opponent, future fusion, future fusion, future fusion, future fusion, like just constantly. It is so funny to watch because I'll then go on the right deck then for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. I'll go on dueling book and then I'll fucking, I'll play his exact list just for funsies and hand is blue eyes, blue eyes, white stone, super rejuvenation. Like, I'm like, okay, like, like that shit is just so broken when you draw absolutely nuts, but it's not real to draw future fusion every game. But then I watched him play this tournament where he got, I think he got third or top. He got top four. He got top four at the tournament that you guys played each other in. And I watched the VOD last night and round one, I think was you. And then he showed round two and he opened up like whirlwind bunch of fucking broken shit like every game again and i just started laughing so i messaged him in the discord and i said you open whirlwind shora icarus attack like it's your actual fucking day job like it's your actual factual job to do so but anyway go ahead i just wanted to throw that out there yeah that was that was the game where that's the game where i was like i was thinking about it in my head and i i never do this but i went back and i watched our match Cause like I had the read, obviously that he had solemn because it had so many backgrounds. So I was like, okay, I could like, right? Because he goes Sirocco for Gale, and if you go back and watch, it's really funny. He special Gale, and I go, uh oh, because I know he ripped dark armed. I'm like, yep. dark armed is the only way I lose. So like, okay, I, and I had I had some sort of backer, I can't remember, but I was like, solemn ends me. I can live, and then I kill him next turn. I was like, as long as I get a turn, I kill him because I have double honest in my hand, or maybe it's just one honest. But I was like, it was it was just point where like he's dead one hundred percent. Yep. And I and I remember I lost in 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 the time I lost, but if I was better, I win the game every time. So that that match is the one that showed me like if you get better, you can win these unwinnable yes. games. Yes, because here's the situation for people who are listening: Scott and Hydro Pump both had a lot of set back rows. The game was very very close, and essentially it came down to when Hydro has Whirlwind on the field. If he, he flipped was, the whirlwind, he flipped the whirlwind. So I knew for like for sure he had a solemn. Yes. So he has whirlwind on the field, and his hand is dark arm Sirocco, but he can't drop dark arm no matter what he does unless he gets a whirlwind search. That's just how that works. So his graveyard has one dark, and if he gets a whirlwind search, he gets Gale, he synchros, and he drops dark arm. So Scott has MST set, and Scott also has bottomless trap hole set. Hydro Pump has solemn judgment set. So if Scott were to go, when you flip whirlwind, for no reason at all, but for a really good reason, MST whirlwind right now. Yeah, that that's the exact situation. And I was like, okay, well, I can yeah, I can bottom exactly. I could bottomless this guy. And he would and solemn. I, I don't get solemn. Yes. No, I don't get solemn. Like he's like flip whirlwind. I'm like, okay, MST or other one. He's like, okay. So solemn goes away. Cause I yep. knew where it was because the other ones he had more back rows or like another back row, and it wasn't where the original like three or four set were or whatever. Sure. So it's clearly Solomon. Even if it's Starlight Road, I still win. Because I was MST and I just bottomless this guy and he's dead. You yeah, you, also, you, you explained it perfectly. Yep. I, I I literally was up at 1 a.m. watching it. Like I'm not even kidding. I literally watched a match, I analyzed it and everything. I was like, oh shit, Scott actually wins. And but it, it wasn't 
it wasn't easy to see that. Like it, it, and that's what you're saying too. Is like the more you play, the better you get. The more you'll you'll have a feel for what you lose to. You're like, oh, I only lose here to dark armed, but like this I remember thinking in my head, I don't die unless he has dark armed, and even if he has dark armed, I like looking back at the time. I'm like, oh, okay, if I just did this, yep. I had a chance. And again, yeah. that's what showed me, like, yo, you could, you could, like, you could be good at this format. Like, this, this format is very skillful, and you could just get better at it. Because yeah. right now, I'm really, I'm really not very good at it. I'll, I'll be honest. I, but I, I will get better. I keep learning Edison format as I play it. It's so, it's so nice to have humbling experiences in Edison. Now, granted, I've definitely had my fair share of bad beats. Like, I, my first ever Edison tournament, I played in RBET two, I think. And the replay from that shit is so funny. I posted it in my Discord. Um, but I literally didn't get to play round one. Like round one, my yeah. opponent, no, and he ended up topping the event. Thank God. I should have known he was going to top the event, but the way it started. So it, <laughs> he wins, he wins the die roll or wins rock, paper, scissors frame one, turn one, game one. He goes charge of the light brigade. Good start. Mills Wolf, Mills Plague. The game immediately falls apart. He goes summon car trooper, mill three hits a necro gardener. I was like, oh. This guy's nice. So I was like, oh. So I just won't even get to slightly pretend that I can play this game. Like, I won't even. And then game two, because you think that it, like, ends there. And game two, I open up a regular, because I'm playing the fairy deck. I open up a regular hand, like Shining Angel or DD Worthy, something like that. And he goes, like, trap, dust, shoot you. Mind you, he's going second. When he trap, dust, shoots me. Sees my hand. Sees that my hand is not the best. And then on his following turn, he just absolutely Lumina Garof ODs mm-hmm. on me. Like fucking, because <laughs> yeah. like, I think he sees Mirror Force, so he knows not to attack with Lumina Garof. And he just like Lumina Garof's me in phase, draws some cards, does, gets all this advantage, sp- spun back my only like Herald of Orange Light play. So like now I can't even stop the Lumina Garof. I just got fucking destroyed. And I was like, well, I didn't get to play that round. I got two. I didn't get to do anything. I, there was no decision making for me. There was nothing I could have done about Trap Dash you game two, take away Orange Light, summon Lumina Garof, kill you, and game one, charge Light Brigade for Wolf, Plague Spreader, summon Card Trooper, Mill 3, hit Gardna. And then it's funny, I tried to go, like, I tried to meagerly game one, go summon DD Warly to attack Card Trooper. He wouldn't even let me. Like, yeah. it, it was just one of those, like, <laughs> it's a steamroll. Like, that, yeah, like, that, Scott, he wouldn't even let me, like, it wouldn't change anything if I got to go banish card trooper. But I don't think he's like, nah, no, nah, you're not even going to get to that. Like, out, of sheer, like, out of sheer spite, I don't want to lose life points this game. He's like, <laughs> guarding that. And I just get fucking Celestia. That's next actually turn. crazy, by yeah. the way. Yes. That's it's, crazy. It's Scott. It was so. I'm so, not going to let you attack my card trooper. Yes. Aww. With a DD Warrior Lady. Like he, like the worst <laughs> that can happen is you take 1100. Oh no, one for one. No. Yeah, yeah, God, God forbid, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. God fucking forbid. But I just said, this is the, f-. and I literally laughed. Like as it, as it happened, I laughed. And then as soon as I started getting steamrolled, I typed right in, I have a group chat with some of my friends. And I typed in the group chat, I'm getting fucking destroyed, by the way. Like, I just... I I hate that. I hate that. Because, like, when I play in the Edison... Like, okay, first of all, my luck in these Edison tournaments is so bad. That's what I'm saying. It's almost unreal. I I don't know... I don't know what to, like, say other than the algorithm on Dueling Book. Because I'm such a conspiracy theorist. I have several things that I hate about Dueling Book. One of them is just that you don't get the physical player interaction that Yu-Gi-Oh! requires to be... To take it to the next level, Yu-Gi-Oh! just needs the physicality of human bodies. It it just it makes the game way more real. Um, but Dueling Book specifically, agree 100%. The situations that happen, the one-outers that happen so often, it's a little unrealistic because I play yeah. Edison 
in person too. Like, it's not like I just play dueling book. I actually play in person a lot. And the shit that happens on dueling book never happens in person. It's yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. I've, like the games in real life are like natural games. They're yes. like real games. And the games that happen on DB are like <laughs> not real. It's crazy. Like I always say the most drawn card in medicine format is brain control oh. because I play on DB DB so much. It's like, Oh, like literally my opponent will start making a play and I'll just pass my monster over to my opponent. And they're like, what are you yeah. doing? I'm like, just brain control yep. me already. And they're like, yep. it's actually mind control this time. Like, I'm oh, like, Oh, okay, good. sure. Yes. What's the difference? I'm dead anyway. Yep. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And it's funny hearing you say that is only going to make my conspiracy theories even more of a reality because I also realized that dueling book has this weird glitch. And I don't know if people notice already, but there's something about when you shuffle a card back into the deck and redraw it immediately. You draw it again. Yeah. Uh, so it happens a lot with trap dust trap dust being the most common one where you return something. So your opponent looks at your hand, you'll return like, I don't know, a gale. You'll return gale to your deck. You'll shuffle your deck blatantly. And then the next time you'll just draw a gale again. It has happened so many times that now that I record pretty much all of my games, I'm able to kind of document this and show like, look at the log. The log says shuffle deck. Right. Like me and all my friends, we all have this weird glitch happen so often. So now we shuffle twice. Yeah, I shuffle book. like six times after yeah, I get dust shooted. We we shuffle twice, at least twice, uh, mm-hmm. on dueling book after a trap dust shoot just to make sure that we don't draw the card again. And you know, it's weird because on one hand you could say, Well, if you want to draw the card again, you could shuffle one time on purpose, and then you're just gonna draw straddles again. Like I've had literally mm-hmm. my straddles get returned. And then the next time I just draw, I was like, fuck, I only shuffle once. Now I draw yeah, pay attention, again. pay attention to the one ofs that you draw in Dueling Book. It's actually, it's actually crazy. Yeah, the algorithm treats one ofs very weird. And it definitely makes the games seem so much more unrealistic. The games are just way more unrealistic than they are in person. Like the thing, like you said, brain control is the most strong card. The heavy storms, the trap dust shoots, uh, all of the one ofs just come dark arm. Like it, it's just crazy how often they come off the top when they need to come off the top too. It's mm-hmm. like, you, it's, it's kind of crazy. You need it. To maybe that's this. just, maybe that's just us like looking for copium. Like, Oh, we're losing. Oh, we have to be losing for like the specific reason. Well, I, I, would, I feel, I feel that same way though. I would agree if it wasn't for the two reasons, like one playing in person. And secondly, the whole, like, if this doesn't happen, this game is over a hundred percent in my favor. Like the one outers, are crazy like it's just specifically i don't mind if my opponent just opens a hand right yeah, they you, draw crazy if, like, if you're six happens. yeah right because that can happen in person that does happen in person like sometimes people like six, oh my god you drew insane like yeah. the amount of times i've said that irl is fucking insane i've i've had people in person i felt so bad my opponent opened up lone fire lone fire titanial foolish Oof. burial sand dandelion <laughs> right instead of back row and i literally i think i went heavy storm Whirlwind Shore, get Kalut. Later, Bozo. Uh, attack over Titanial, Kalut, get Veyu, attack a token, main phase two, synchro for Cataster, set deck Devi, go, draw phase deck Devi, he drops his whole hand. Just yeah, that, like guy, that. that guy's just sick. That guy's he, just sick. I felt so bad. I was like, Jesus, my hand was insane. Like, it was, it was a fucking perfect hand. But that is different from, you need to draw one card in your deck, and it's the only card you could draw. It's at one. And if you don't draw it, you 100%, you lose the game. Like, a hundred percent you lose the game if you don't draw this one card the amount of times that specifically happens is just wild like yeah. it is it's like heart of the cards nonsense so 
yeah, it is. It is copium. At the same time, it's also really funny how often it happens. And again, this doesn't happen that often in real life. So that's why it's just in real a, in, like IRL. My matches are like so much easier than DB. Yes. Like they're literally so much easier. I'm like, oh, this game is going literally exactly as planned. Yeah. And maybe I mean, that never happens. And I mean, I read people off their physicality a lot of time, too. Like people are so easily read in person. It is just a thing that happens. Um, like when when people. OK, when people literally sit there and huff and puff about their hand like that tells you you don't have shit they're not yeah people aren't joking when they're like when they draw their cards and they're mad about it that like that's not i don't know anyone who's that good of a bluffer where they they pretend like they're angry but then their hand is actually broken do you remember do you remember when i got second to patrick and you were commentating my match this was what event? 2013 dragon rulers this is so long ago okay so this is the ARG maybe yeah, I drew fucking ass game three and like I'm shuffling my hand. I'm shuffling my hand and like I like bang my hand on the table like Mm-mm-mm. just to like shuffle my hand. And Frazier, you literally go, oh, he is banging his hand on the table. His hand is not good. <laughs> and I, I remember looking back. I'm like, yeah, my hand is unplayable. My hand's fucking horrible. Yeah. I, I, so I that think, goes to show that like, yeah, it's very it's real just emotion. It's definitely it's very, very real. And that's something that you don't get on DB. Like DB, I have no idea. And that's only mm-hmm. one of the things, right? It's not just that. There are other little things. But for the weirdos out there who think that like, oh, maybe it's some other reason why you're so good in person and not necessarily that great on DB. I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, in the last several years of me playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And also up until now, if you ever watch me play, you'll know I do not pick up people's deck at all. I yeah, I just cut the shit. I shuffle everyone's deck face down. I have a very specific shuffle. It's a I forget exactly what the name of it is, but I saw I saw videos of uh, uh, ways to shuffle decks, and one of them is literally you never ever turn a deck on its face. So I'll never see a person's bottom card. I'll never know what they're playing before the match. I literally have this specific shuffle. If you watch any video of me playing in person, you will see me do it. But I keep the deck face down. I take the bottom of the deck and I just kind of throw it to the top constantly, constantly. Yeah, constantly. I've seen I've seen you do it. Yep, I do it all the time. I do it in every duel. I don't care if it's tournament. I don't care if it's fucking casual. I literally, it's it's my shuffle. I do it every single time. I've been doing it fucking years. Like, absolute years. I love it so much because it removes all suspicion. The one thing I'd never want is, like, some people thinking that any of my success is attributed to anything other than people are bad and I am not. Like, yeah, that there is, you go. But to put it bluntly. So I know that there are people who are like, oh, well... Dueling book, you can do this and that. It's like, I'm not trying to hear none of that shit. I just want to completely go into like, I have a very specific shuffle. And honestly, like anyone who thinks that the people who are good and in-person Yu-Gi-Oh are doing stuff 99% of the time are people who are just mad. Like, stay mad. You're going to be mad. Ass. Right. You're just ass. like, stay mad. Like, if you need copium to understand why people are really, really good at the game, they put in way more time than you. They're better than you. Some people are just built different. That is just the reality of the situation. Yes, the game has definitely had some players who are fucking nasty with the cheats. And I have a whole Patreon exclusive episode with Kenny where we talk about stories of people who are insane with the with the hands and insane with the things they've done to get wins or tops and stuff like that so if you want access to that video just check out uh the i'm their podcast patreon little shameless plug right there but yeah i it's just it's it's really interesting what what happens on db as opposed to in person but i still love i still love playing Yu-Gi-Oh! and honestly a lot of times because it's db anyway i just laugh now like i don't even i can't take it seriously like i just laugh like i just like this yeah. is fucking insane you click replay and you're like what happened did he draw the heavy or did he have the heavy and you watch the replay and the guy literally rips the heavy and then, you know, drops dark arm and all that. And it's like, okay, well 
he had the heavy storm because if he didn't have heavy storm, no, no, no other card is that could have saved them right there. So. Yeah, the, the one outers are the worst. Yeah, but I agree with you 100%. If you play Edison and you continually play Edison, you will get better at it and it'll get to a point where you can minimize your games down to you can't win unless you have this one card. And that's a good position to be in a lot of the time anyway. Like most games in Edison format, if both players are good, you're not going to outright blow them out if they drew playable, right? Like if they just drew playable, it's very hard to just blow people the fuck out uh, who know what they're doing. So a lot of games come down to, I just put myself in a position where I win unless you have a specific like one of or something. Yeah. And there's games where you just can't win. That's yeah. that's like, it's not, it's really not like that in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! Well, it is like that in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! But it's one thing where like, you just know that it's happening like right in front of you. Yeah. Like you, you know, it's happening in Edison format. They give you, they give you like a rope to hang on to. It's like, I can actually win this game because I have at least a couple more turns left. I could draw some good cards. Like I, this game is not over in modern. It's over. Yeah. But in Edison, is. like you, you have a chance to win. Like yesterday I was playing and I was playing my friend's deck. It was like, uh, I was going to talk to you about it every Tuesday. She, oh, shout out to my boy, pack pack, uh, pack does like a, like an Edison format tournament every Tuesday. And for like our discord. And I wanted to see if you two wanted to play because we're trying to get it to 16 people just to okay. have more content yeah. just to get more people. And that happened yesterday. I was using my friend's deck and he's like, yo, what is Scott? What is going on? And I'm like, look at my graveyard. Yeah, I haven't it. drawn shit. Just check my, it. My, my my graveyard is like solemn, honest. Return for the different dimension. Like my hand's horrible. Like I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, and that's uh, just like part of it. And every deck sucks, by the way. Oh, I have to throw it out there. My God, every deck is fucking ass. The decks in Edison format, I said all of them are literally trash, and all of them are like one or two cards away from being a tier zero deck. Very like, nice deck. Yeah. Like if, for example. I love I love talking about this. I'm so glad you brought that up. Plants, if they had Scrap Dragon, it'd be the best deck in the format. Oh my goodness, and, and yes. it wouldn't be close. Uh, Plants, if it had Trishula, it would be the best deck in the format, and it wouldn't be close. Uh, Plants, if it had Globe Bulb with Spore, it would be the best deck in the format, and it wouldn't be close. <laughs> yeah. uh, Plants, if it had Formula Synchron, it would be the best deck in the format, and it would not be close. All of these cards come out pretty much later on in the year. Uh, Cause I know at the end of yeah, D-Rev. Yeah. Like the, yeah, pretty much the end of the year, a lot of things, like scrap dragon comes out, Valor comes out, solid morning comes out and things start to change. Um, X sabers, the very next set, they get dark. Oh, yeah, they get crazy. They, they get, get Boggart Knight. They get fucking all of these ridiculous cars that literally send that deck into one of the best decks ever. Like, it just becomes insane with Dark Soul and Bogger Knight. It just takes away all of the deck's problems. Like, literally all of them go away. Because the mm -hmm. problem is always, how do I drop Fall Troll? It's, I have to use Rescue Cat every time. But, and that's an Edison format. You have to use Rescue Cat to drop Fall Troll. But in the one set later, after Edison format, when Dark Soul and Bogger Knight comes out, you could just raw go. And I've had this happen to me so many times by Sean McCabe, because he loves that deck. Bogger Knight, Poshul, Fall Troll. Synchro, make Hunley, pop your back rows, fall trawl, bring back guy, yeah, and just keep going. And it's like, what the fuck is this deck? Like, what is this deck? Every deck is one card away. Ronin Tonin comes out the next set after Edison format. It literally creates an FTK that FTKs you like 85 to 90% of the time. <laughs> it is crazy. So every deck like is if my if my hero deck had a pot of duality, oh, I'd be so lit. Bro, I just need a pot of duality. If your hero deck had Pot of Duality, if it had the Shining. Oh, the Shining too, yeah. Like Oh, everything I, changes. I, like do you have like a tier list in your head of like what are like your the best three or four decks? Yeah, so in Edison format, I think Black Wings is the absolute best deck. Uh not by a large margin, but I do think that Black Wings and Black Wings Black Wing variants are the best deck. And that is not me being results oriented. It took me a while to accept this, 
And I have a reasoning for why I think Blackwings is like the best deck. And I'm just going to be really quick about it, or as quick as Fraser can be about it, right? Because you know I'm long-winded. But <laughs> Blackwings does so much with one card. And almost every other deck needs two cards to play. So Blackwings with just a Shora, if a Shora kills a guy, it's a plus two. Like yeah, just that's nice. Killing also a puts guy, value in your graveyard. It it literally is your guy died in battle, which is a plus one, and then summon value plus two. And I can decide what I want to do with the value from there. I could decide if I want to synchro to put these cards in the graveyard to make my blizzard live, or I could decide to set Icarus attack now and continue yeah. to and continue to plus off of my advantage. This is all off of one. We're talking about just Shore right now. And then Blizzard is a one-card six-star synchro. Spoiler alert, six-star synchros are the best fucking synchros in Edison format. <laughs> Brionic is just insane. Brionic is unreal. He's like so misplaced. Like he looks Brionic doesn't even seem like he belongs in Edison format because of how absurd he is. Like he doesn't belong in the format. He seems like an eyesore. So Brionic and Goyo Guardian, a 2800 normal summon. Like my normal summon can be 2800 take a guy. That's yeah. my, that's my, this is a, again, this is a one card. Like I'm, I'm literally going draw summon blizzard effect and you have to do something. So black wings, do you haven't lot. even mentioned whirlwind or Kahoot I, have, yet I have not mentioned any of that. And I, the thing is, I'm not even going to, cause I, I'm trying to be like very short about it, but mm -hmm. the, on the contrary decks like zombies that I've been playing a lot lately because of Nazar and because of the master and the pupil series decks like zombies, every single play requires a minimum of two cards. It doesn't do a single thing with one. So set goblin zombie is not as threatening because you literally have to, at some point go summon diva or summon plague spreader. Like at some point to make the goblin zombie a real threat, you need to convert it with a second card. It just won't do it by itself. It doesn't have cards like that. It just doesn't have it. And a lot of decks are like that. Like alias is a good card with Gemini spark and with hero blast, right? But that's adding layers to why it's good. It's right. not just on itself. Like alias by itself is ass. Like if we're in a top mm -hmm. decking situation and you're playing an alias deck and I'm playing black wings, I can draw a blizzard. You can draw alias. This is not fair. Like this is literally an unfair comparison. Like I can draw Sirocco, you can draw Alias. That's also not okay. I drew a two thousand attack guy on the top of my deck, and this is a normal summon for my deck. Like this is a regular guy. Like you summon Laquari, you need Test Tiger to get over a fucking Sirocco. Like you need it. Yeah, you have to have it. If you don't have GVs it, you can't be. Yes, and this is but this is why every deck I think outside of Black Wings pretty much has this this jarring problem of needing multiple. Like Quick Draw is a terrible card. Like Quick Draw Synchron, one of the worst cards in the entire format. It's awful. But with Dandelion, it comes to life. With Volcanic mm -hmm. Shell, you can do something. And it, again, you need two cards for like everything to function in the format outside of Blackwings. Blackwings pretty much just is like a solo. This by itself does too much. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. I don't want to make this like a only Blackwings has that kind of quality because there are cards in certain like fairies, for example, like a Shining Angel can get you pretty much everything in your deck, right? But I'm not exactly scared of just a Shining Angel. I'm scared of Christia. So like, you know, there's layers to the discussion and we could have an entire Edison format podcast, which I actually want to do at the beginning of 2023, just Come to kind of, yeah, a hundred percent. You can be down for a hundred percent. I'll bring you back for that. But like Edison format has its problem. It's not a perfect format. Of course it's Yu-Gi-Oh, but black wings just seem to have the easiest time dealing with every situation. Like I always think to myself, black wings has an out to every situation. Like every situation I could think of, Oh, if he just has blizzard. 
he could just brio your field. Like you have Stardust yeah. Colossal, but one Blizzard clears your. How how many decks can clear Stardust Colossal? Like be like that is fucking Stardust Colossal deep prison. How many decks can just clear that? Like yeah. that's that is not an easy thing to do with any deck. And then here's Blackwing's going summon Blizzard, make brio, pitch, bounce. That, like it's nothing one card i did it off one card like it's it's so ignorant how the deck operates um so okay anyways black wings is like what i consider the best and then i have other decks that i think are really 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 good but just not as good i think fairies is really up there it's very grindy like, sta- like straight fairies standard fairies the straight up fairy deck with shining angels dimensional alchemist is dd war lady it's mm-hmm. a very normal summon heavy deck but it is strangely like when you play against it like when you really grind against it it can be really difficult if the pilot is good. Like, the pilot is just harder to find good pilots of fairies, but when you do come across a good fairy pilot, you just get grinded out of all your cards. Like, you slowly get, all your monsters get DD War Lady. Like, for example, I used to play Hero Beat. Me and you used to both play Hero Beat. I and, still do. I think that deck is still really good. Oh, I love it. I still love it. But let me tell if, you something. If you were guaranteed to draw a hero, a hero monster, it's the best deck for sure. Not close, at least it, to me. It is. I think that good. deck is crazy nice, but, but it loses the games you can't play. I will tell you this: you, we can play ten games. I will play fairies, and I will put e call, and you draw five, and I want to see how many games you can win against me playing fairies with your hero beat deck. It is one of the most abysmal matchups you will ever play in your life, Scott. It is fucking. Yeah, awful. it's hard. Oh, I used to think it was easy, but nope. it, it, the more I play. Lady, DD Warrior Lady is going to literally run you out of monsters. You're yeah. going to get to a point where you realize I have nothing left to attack you with. Every single game uh. will play out just like it is so ignorant how that works. It is really bad. And, and the deck does that. It also is the only deck that has a actual hand trap. Like I play against people on DB. It's two, so funny. Two hand traps, honest yeah. and orange light. They're both, that those is, are probably the two best hand traps of the format. That is, that is correct. Diddy crows up there too, but yes, you're right. Uh, I play against people who just go like summer straddles and they just go viewing deck. And I'm like, Whoa, Hey, chill brother. Did I fucking tell you you could play? <laughs> did I tell you you could play? Absolutely not. You will not get a straddle search. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's the only deck that could do stuff like that. Like I had a guy literally cold wave me and he's like, summon Prisma. Summon Test Tiger. Oh, Dairy. or he thinks he's lit. Oh, he, I had two back row. <laughs> he was like, cold wave. I said, no response. Azeris alert. He starts going ham. He's pop, pop, attack. Like, he's doing everything. And I'm like, uh, well, when you when you go to pop, I'm just going to I negate response. that. And now you're cold waved. Yeah, like you're, you, you cold waved yourself. You are now cold waved. <laughs> and here, here's, here's the revol- <laughs> Here's the reversal. So, uh, Ferris is up there. I think that new Light Sworn Fairy deck that plays three Christia and three Soul of Purity and Light, I think that deck is so ignorant. I still have to test it a little bit more, but I was playing it at the at the regional in Philly last week. And I was playing it on Dueling Book. We posted a Master and a Pupil episode where I played it. It is so scarily ignorant how fast like Christia's and JD start coming out because the deck is just focused on doing that one thing. And it has the most powerful beckoning lights, but it is... It's very reminiscent of what Dragon Turbo feels like, where some of the games are just going to be like the charge recharge games. And some games are literally going to be set hamster and like slowly try to do something. And if your mm-hmm. opponent is just like whirlwind, sure, you, you get clapped. Right. Um, but the deck, I think it's very powerful, but I, I honestly think it's better than regular Lightsworn. Like I don't trust regular, regular, like one Lumina, one Gardener Lightsworn. I don't, I, I just can't bring myself to play that version of the deck. But I think the Lightsworn fairy deck that literally just came out I think it's very strong and very scary. Uh, and I think that, like like you said, I think Hero Beat 
like Stratos here will be if you just get the C Stratos every game, I think that it is 100% nest tier deck. Like I even have a video where I did a I did a tier list and in my tier list I have Hero Beat is S tier. Like I have it at the highest tier because I do think that there's something to be said about just having every game play out exactly the same way for your deck. Like you're mm-hmm. you will you will do the same thing every single game with Hero Beat with like Hero Stun whatever you want to call it. It does the same thing every game. And when it doesn't do that when it bricks or whatever, it's like any other deck, you know, you lose. Like, I didn't draw a monster until, like, I don't know. You took you, you, you either don't draw one or you draw too many. Those are the games you, you lose. Yep. But every other game in between, easy claps. Just easy claps all around. Yeah. Uh, like, you'll look down. I'll, like, I'll be playing and I'll look down. I'm like, Jesus, this is eight to four. Where'd yes. all your cards go? Yep. <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> what happened to your cards? Bad GameStop. Bad trades. Just a lot yeah, of bad trades. trades. Summon Alias. They're like bottomless. Gemini Spark, pop your Ryko. You are now losing the game. Like the game is falling apart. Now, granted, you shouldn't. You're probably a fish for bottomlessing an alias when you have a set right go, but people do it. Like people. Oh do yeah. It. Oh yeah. And it it also punishes the bozos. I pretty much agree with you for the most part. I think. Um, unfortunately, like I do think Blackwing is the best, but it's just so boring. It like, is. Ah, I, I said so this too. Boring. It is boring. But I've loved. I've grown to love it because I like winning so much. Yeah, winning is nice. Winning is nice. When nothing feels better than being fucking a winner and that is just the that is reality. why we play that Win. is it just feels so good so black wings is it's just so consistently broken and so consistent in general and the winning from it has literally tainted me and a format where i used to say has 20 plus decks i no longer believe that i think oh that, i don't i don't believe that at all yeah i was with you at one point i'm like yo every deck's pretty good yeah. and then the more you play you're like damn this deck's ass Yep, I, like I used to be heavy on the Skyscores Nerlaris deck, right? Like I used to believe mm-hmm. that that was a really, really good deck. And then after playing it so many times and being disappointed because I lost to my deck just crapping out on me. Like I just opened unplayable Red Eyes, Red Eyes, Skyscores Nerlaris, Phantom of Chaos, Gold Sark, Heavy Storm, and I don't get two turns because my opponent realizes what I'm playing when I play Gold Sark and I go for Future Fusion and they're like, oh, absolutely fucking not. You got me fucked up. You got me. Yeah. At, you, if you think you're going to just get that and like have no defense, like you're just going to pass and do that. Like, oh, I'm a madman. Summon, summon Shora, summon Bora, summon Gale, attack, 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 5,000, go. Like, that's yes. the game. I started running. You got one turn. Yes. You got one turn. People become like zombies. Same thing. Flip Goblin Zombie now. Summon Diva. Like, start, just start putting it in. I think I'm Zombies like, is also like really, really good. I oh, think Zombies I, is like a top three deck. I think Zombies is up there as well. I hate the deck now, though, because like I just uploaded an episode to our Patreon where I'm outraged. I was playing Nazar's zombie deck, his Edison deck. And uh, we ended up winning like a lot of our matches or whatever on the master and people thing. But it was so frustrating how hard the games were like they games that seemed so clear that we were going to win just disasters abound, like disasters were fucking abound and I couldn't deal with it. And I just started losing my absolute shit. So the newest episode, episode seven, I believe it is, is really entertaining. So please watch that one. If you're on our Patreon, I literally had a meltdown. Like I fucking, I was going to edit it out. I had a meltdown. Like I was like, this deck fucking sucks. I'm sick of this shit. Why don't people Kenny's play dying this? dying right now. <laughs> Yo, Kenny is losing. <laughs> Kenny Cause he knows how I get. Like I, uh-huh. the, the thing is, most people don't get to see that side of me because it's funny i'm i'm kind of like two different people and in person when i play Yu-Gi-Oh, right you will never see me lose my shit really like it's very rare to see me actually rage out or like have a moment like that 
But when I'm at home in the comfort of my living room or my bedroom or whatever, playing dueling book, and there's a microphone in front of me, I just let it go. I just let all of my thoughts that I normally would never say in person, I just <laughs> let them fucking rip. Because the guy, the other part is that the guy is not in front of me, so I don't want to, because I'm not like, I don't want to be rude. Yeah, you're not trying to disrespect the guy. Yeah, I'm not trying to just be an asshole to some guy because I'm losing in Yu-Gi-Oh!, Right, but if right, I'm right. gonna do you fucking bozo, yeah, you really top ass, deck like... brain control, you fucking bitch. How <laughs> dare you one outing motherfucking like I just yeah. let them have it. I was like, this deck sucks. I'm never playing zombies again. I'm never playing this shit again. I was yeah, like, yeah. you guys delete are this all... shit off my fucking account. Everyone is delusional as fuck. This deck is garbage. One Caius and you're out the game. Good luck with your two card combo <laughs> deck. Like, hope to see you in bracket, loser. I just was, I let it go. I love Stango even said after the, cause he was dying after the session, he was like, you need to upload the, just this as a clip. Like, this, he's like, this just needs to be a clip on YouTube of you losing your mind. I was like, absolutely not. He was like, I'm telling you, this needs to be a clip. <laughs> so, but yeah, that is. I agree with you, though, if I'm being realistic and out of my feelings about it, like zombies are insane in the format. Mm. So hey, was nobody was nobody playing it back then? Is it just like not a deck at like Ed Edison? It's not a deck. Uh, it's funny. Neither is fairies. That's so interesting. I knew fairies wasn't. That Fair- makes sense, though. It's Dragon, a weird deck. Dragon Turbo, fairies, Norlaris, I want to say. Like real the real refined Norlaris decks that we have in 2022. Like Norlaris, fairies, the frog hero monarch deck. Uh, I think Diva Hero in general wasn't real. Um, no way. No I looked way. at the top 16 deck list from Edison's uh, Shonen Jump Championship in 2010. How many played Deep Sea Diva in the top 16? I don't know if it was in any deck. That's, that's are, crazy. There are the more, card is broken. <laughs> there are more Flanvel Fire Dogs in Top Cut than there are Deep Sea Divas. There are zero Upstart Goblins in the entire Top Cut. There are zero Upstart Goblins in the entire Top Cut. There are more gadget decks than there are Blackwing decks in Top Cut. What? Really? Um, de- there's one Blackwing deck in the entire Top Cut. There's no one. way. Uh, bro, really? It is, it is the Twilight Zone. Looking back at how awful all Yu-Gi-Oh! players were in 2010 is just it's jarring. It's so jarring how bad we were as a community, as a group. We have to all take accountability, except the fucking Charles Ray Taylors of the group who were born like in 2014. But like, everyone else who was complicit and played the game in 2010, if you played the game at that time, you you need to like seek compensation for the damage that was done to us as a group <laughs> that we were allowed to play such bad decks. Like, for example, the deck that won the tournament, everyone agrees is just not good. And this is no disrespect to Jeff Jones at all because he won the event. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. But like that deck will never win another edison tournament like it it just i think won. it could i think it could win i think I, it could I, win. I hard disagree i hard disagree. do you know what it has to go through now the decks yeah the decks have, well, the decks have yeah, gotten like so much better bro they've gotten so yeah. much better it can still win though anything can win nope i am i am literally hard, the poster disagree. boy of anything and anybody can win you, you listen i thought that too scott and then i play way too many black wing decks i play way too many zombie decks i play way too many frog decks and i'm like absolutely not Absolutely not. You're a pot of avarice, you're one trick pony, because that's what the deck is. It's like a pot of avarice deck. Pot avarice and they draw two normal summons. It's like I used to get so mad when they'd avarice me, and then I'd be like, eh, they probably just avarice for like Ryko hamster. It's like that's like three turns down the road. I'll be some sometimes worse than that. I played a guy at the uh Philly Regional this weekend in an Edison side event, and we're we're grinding. I'm playing Blackwings, of course. We're grinding, we're having a, a decent game, game two. I won game one real quick. 
In game two, he uh, draws a, he rips a pot. He rips a pot while we were pretty close in card advantage. So now he's about to just start. I think he was, I think he was like plus one, but he was on the draw. So it was like not a real plus one. Mm-hmm. And Natural then he rips up. He, right. And so then he rips a pot. And now he's like, you know, plus two. It, lo- it looks like he's plus two on me. Uh-huh. And, and that hurts. That hurts. Man. Oh, I was, I was shook until. <laughs> so right before he did that, he went, uh, discard titanium for either quick draw or for something. I forget what it was. And then he goes pot avarice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, that was nice. Cause now she's back in the deck. Until when he drew, he drew Titanio again and went tribute summon for Titanio. Oh God, yes. And I was like, oh, so you that actually plus just went away. I was like, oh, so that just didn't happen. And that like st- stuff like that, like Titanio as a concept, right? Is she? She's don't get me wrong, she is broken, but like she's also just terrible at the same time. Like your deck playing that card is so bad. Like she's so right. bad. Real quick, sorry to interrupt. The world hasn't heard from me for, I don't know, an hour, because I guess 30 people got shot outside, and there was sirens going crazy. Jesus. But luckily, they stopped. Right as Fraser mentioned Titanial, I just want to quickly say, that card is, I fucking hate that card. You play, play Monarchs, play, right? I play Monarchs. Yeah, and I'd hate that card, too. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't play her anymore. I've gone out of my, I cheat. I will not play her, and I have a, I hate dead cards. And like obviously you can draw like cards can be dead, but I hate cards that are always. always dead. I don't like I don't like playing <laughs> yeah. garnets. Like she's a garnet, and, and a, you know what I mean. Like I don't yes. like playing. She's the epitome of a garnet, actually. Like I hate playing garnets. I cannot. do Garnet it. is better than her. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Garnet can be summoned, right? Can't you summon? Yeah, it's a 1900 beater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Garnet is a 1900 beater because you know how broken Titania would be if she was a 1900 beater with that effect. Like that would actually. Oh, that card would be nice. <laughs> yeah, like they would actually do something. It's like, oh, you Your can't foolish target? normal summon Titania will pass. Oh my that god, would be really are, nice. Are you kidding? What? Like, what are we talking about? You'd probably play yeah. three copies. Insane. <laughs> oh, insane. She'd be limited. Actually, is what really high. like she yeah, would not yeah. be a three. Um, but yeah, no, a 1900 yeah, vanilla her. is actually better. That because just how often you're gonna need a 1900 monster like 1900 vanilla in Edison format is actually not terrible. Uh, Alias is playable. That should tell you everything you need to know. But, Alias is insane. Yeah, but it's funny. Like while I hard disagree that plants could win, I'm also half joking because technically Scott is right. Like any that could win, I just don't see it. The same way it is that, hard to deal. If black wings keep becoming more popular, I think plants get that, so much worse. That, that the, matchup's hard. Plants versus other, Black Wings is so hard. It is by far one of the most abysmal matchups you'll ever play. It is it is it is unwinnable in reality. It is. It makes so, you feel like you're really bad at the game, even if you're not. Like you just can't yeah. do anything. It is one of the most one-sided fist fights you'll ever experience. It's really a bad matchup. But it's not even just that. Decks that didn't exist also randomly check that deck. Like frogs just randomly beat quick draw decks like just just the newer frog decks like the new substitute like the the mindset of absolute zero being in these decks now and how much advantage they get off of dupe blocking you like what the fuck does the the quick draw deck do to a dupe block like it is a really hard situation for that deck to deal with like they have to set a Ryko, but like setting a Ryko against monarchs is probably the worst feeling you could ever do like when you're probably better to not set the Ryko. it is but like you're playing (laughs) quick draw though you have like you play double hamster three Rykos. you have like what are you going to do yeah this Um, is the best have a situation it's a better have a situation and and so these decks that didn't exist zombies did not exist like it did not exist and book of life is a card like book of life simply exists book of life breathes and your your fucking quick draw deck is like what do i do like how do i deal with that and there's just a lot of those kind of issues now that the game has changed also just want to be clear at the sjc 75th the edison sjc gad just got second 
Can I just Which say saying that that is not good? Can I just say that gadgets have not done a single thing this entire year? Like this entire 2022 of Edison format, there have been so many tournaments. Gadgets will never get to the finals of a fucking tournament in Edison. That I will agree with you. With. A real, that I will agree a, with you a real tournament though, not just some fucking 28 person tournament mm-hmm. that's like okay, like sure, you know, take that, but like a real tournament, like. I don't ever see gadgets getting to the finals of a tournament with the way people understand Edison format now, where Cyber Dragon's in every side deck, Chimera Tech's in every extra deck. Also, the deck is just actually not good. Set Hamster walls off your entire deck. I don't yeah, know you what, just can't the, play. what the fuck are you supposed to do when they go set Hamster? Like, what happens? You start, like, you fall apart. You start pulling your hair. It is one of the worst matchups also every deck that just plays hamster and like Ryko and stuff like that just pick off your back rows and kill all your little shitty guys and you lose and like that is only a part of the reason but it's interesting to look at how bad because the original conversation was like what topped the actual event and there's only one blackwing deck there's like multiple glabbies decks i'm pretty sure there's multiple like gadgets and plants and all type shit like that but it's the only crazy. thing that sticks out to me, the only thing that I remember from that top cut is Billy's Caliber Cat deck. Also not a deck. And that deck is hot ass. Not a deck. So it's just crazy to me that he got top four of that It is literally pile. not a deck. Do you understand that because there are so many fucking frogs in the format, you can't play oh, Doom yeah. Caliber Knight. You cannot play Doom Caliber Knight in a format where Treeborn Frog is going to be literally two of your game. Two of your rounds are going to be against frogs. If you play, if, you, if we were to have a YCS today, in Edison format, which I'm I'm praying one day does happen. If there was an Edison format YCS, you could not play Doom Caliber Knight in your main deck. It would just be ludicrous. Like Treeborn Frog is going to come up in two out of your ten or eleven rounds, hundred percent. Like somebody's going to play. Vayu, don't forget about Vayu. Also, oh just yeah, Vayu destroys and Doom Caliber Knight. Car Trooper being a lot, uh, a car. Yeah, it's bad. Right? It, that car is just bad. Like it's just bad. It's it just, is good versus Ryko. But like oh, it's bad versus like amazing. literally everything else. Amazing, but uh, so is everything against Ryko. So Ryko is not good. Like Ryko is not good anymore. It's it's to the point where like the deck that people are playing, there's just again there's a lot of black wings, there's a lot of these frog decks, and there's a lot of zombies. And Ryko is just not. It's just not the fantasy against those decks. Like honestly, mm-hmm. it's just not. It's it's the follow up with your Ryko. Like if you do Ryko and Takayas and stuff like that. But Ryko by itself is not as strong as you know. And also you need to be going first. Because if we, the real reason why I think Ryko is not that good is not just because of its effect. Because its effect is great. It makes Dupe Frog miss timing. It makes Dimensional Alchemist miss timing. It does a lot of things. But the problem with it is that going second with Ryko in your hand just feels gross. It just mm-hmm. feels gross. And that by itself makes me not really like the card. Like I hate going second and having to set a monster like that. It just doesn't feel good. Um, but that, you know, there's Edison. Edison format is just so complex and so fun. And I, I'm, I, it's fun. That's like the main reason I li- I'm liking playing. I, I'm I'm playing like 20 matches a day. I'm like, oh, Man, I this love is just, that. This oh, is fun. Whoa! If you're playing 20 matches a day, Scott, then you need to do a mass like the two master series with me. We're two YCS champions here. We hey, like, you need to do a two masters where we 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 pick a deck. It could be anything. We pick a deck, we go on Duel Book, and we just literally play randoms. It is the def- it's so fun too. Yeah, that sounds. Just- I, that's literally what I do. Like, oh, it's that's so good. Really what I do, period. It's so good. So yeah, we're definitely gonna record two masters. Uh that's something that, that we can hundred percent run. But uh so we, we spent a lot on Edison format, and I do want to talk about a couple other things. So we didn't like I, I'm pretty sure I cut you off earlier when you were talking about your actual YCS win. Like mm-hmm. which is crazy because that was over an hour ago now. But like That is crazy. There I, I could I there's literally so much I could say. That tournament was 
it, I, I, ha- I don't have words. And like, you could talk about your win like all day, right? Oh, 100%. I could. Yeah, that's oh literally me. People get so mad at me because all I do is talk about my fucking win. You find and a way our to Discord, bring it up no matter what. Oh, every time. In our Discord, there's, uh, you could type exclamation point, here we go again. And it posts, it <laughs> posts so my fucking, it posts my feature match, the finals feature match. That's so, it's like, so fire. That's just nice. I love but, that. Yeah, like, uh, let me, let me, we don't, I mean, we've been doing this for, over an hour and a half, so I'll, I'll just try to do some bullet points. Okay. Uh, I lost one game in Top Cut. My okay, my record in Swiss was horrible, horrible. It's so bad that I don't want to go on record so, saying what my record was in Swiss. So here's the funny part because I watched you in Top Cut only. I watched Day Two mm-hmm. only. So I got to see, and this is why I praised you in the beginning. I got to see you rip through people, like you fucking ripped through them so fast that Silverman was able to ask you for help. And the fucking clock was on 25 minutes. Like yeah, all my matches were over in like two minutes. <laughs> I remember like in top four, like I, imagine playing in a tournament. This is why I, this is why I say anybody can win because it literally happened to me. Imagine you're playing at a YCS, right? You're in top cut. You draw the most broken hands you've ever seen over and over and <laughs> over and over and over and over again. So it's like, I am a firm believer that anybody can win. Like, well, <laughs> we know that to be true too. Like, we know that there have been yeah. some winners in Yu-Gi-Oh's long history. Now, we we know some people are just like that guy, that guy winning. Is yeah, yeah, crazy. literally, literally, that would have been me if, if if it was me just by myself. It would it wouldn't be like oh, couch is crazy. It would be Jesus Christ, this guy drew insane. No wonder he won the tournament. <laughs> but I, and it was it was stuff that happened outside the tournament. Okay, so in top eight, I'm playing versus Ryan Levine. Ryan Levine is is a good friend of mine, right? Like. I would go to dinner with Ryan. We talk a lot. Not we don't talk like outside of events and stuff. But he's you no, know, he, he's a friend of mine. Yeah, I like Ryan. Shout out to Ryan, by the way. Oh, and I also have to shout out Nazar because Nazar shouted me out when he was on. So I got to shout out Nazar. Nazar is literally the goat. Anybody him. that says anything else to say is literally just wrong. Yep. Shout out to shout out to Nazar for beating me in top eight at the white the first YCS he won. Started dancing and broke the table. And I asked if he could get a penalty for that because oh, I was fucking shit. sick. I was sick. But That's anyway, back, back to the so I, so again, Ryan is like my friend, um, and I was in his hotel room the night before the YCS, and okay. I'm like, I really want to get my deck to forty cards, and he it was just literally me and him one on one. He's like, Yeah, I'll help you out because you know he's he's a good player, and I'm like, I, I respect his opinion. So like, I think I'm going to do this, and I, I'm I think I'm going to cut Conductor to one, like the big giant Dino. Yeah, I was like, I think I'm going to cut it to one because one like, of the best cards in the entire deck. Yeah, like it's a brick. Like, it's not that good to draw. You can pretty much always go get it when you need it. So I'm just going to cut it to one. Anyway, fast forward to day two. I'm playing Ryan in top eight. It's game one. I have no cards. Zero cards is my name. Well, I put him on zero cards. He draws. It was the, it was the craziest match I've ever played in my life. Put him no cards. I have an extra deck monster. He draws Shadal Fusion. Shadal Fusion's me. Oh, Comes shit. Back, comes back, cracks. But I'm like, I mean, unless you draw Shadal Fusion, you're cooked. He's like, draw. Well, boom. Shadal Fusion. I'm like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Uh, so, and then it comes, and then he breaks my board, clears my board, and he has a wind on the field, so I can't, you know, I can't do anything crazy. I have no cards now. So I draw Oviraptor. Oviraptor is like the, the monster that searches any dinosaur. So I can search the big dinosaur. It is literally so I'm like, a Stratos on crack. So I'm like, ooh, summon Oviraptor. This is nice. And he looks in my graveyard, and he sees the big dinosaur in my graveyard. 
So he knows I play one. He he knows I only play one copy. Well, what he did not know was when I went back to my hotel room when I was going to bed that night. You know, you think like, uh, you like, I'm I'm gonna change this. Yes. I was like, there's no world I don't play two conductors. Like that card is crazy. I'm 100 percent gonna play two. So I summon it, and he's like, yes. He's like, I know he only plays one. He's like talking to his teammates. He's like, I know he only plays one. We're good. I'm like, jokes on you, pal. Oh no. <laughs> I search the second copy, and he's like, no way i'm like yeah this is just you know this is very unfortunate for you for like a lot of reasons but yes. the main reason that you know i only play one but jokes on you i play two crazy uh and that is actually insane yeah that was top eight that was only i only lost one game in top cut like i was like you just could have seen the hands i was drawing for you it was just like it was almost I, funny scott I did. I told you i watched you cook people on camera you were it is annoying on camera like, they weren't showing me. Like, I wish they were showing me because the stuff I was doing to these people was crazy. So in top four, I play versus Spiral. And I played a Ghost second deck. It's the only it's the only match where I wanted to go first because they could do more broken stuff than I could, right. like, on their first turn. Like, I ended on VFD. That was, like, my that was my play. We, uh, you could do a whole pod about that card. Jesus, that card is insane. I, it's so ridiculous. People complain about Dweller now. Like, but VFD. in top four... In top four, I know my opponent's playing Spirals, and I choose to go first. So I'm like, I grab the dice. I'm like, oh, come on, baby. Let me roll high. Let me roll high. Boom, rolling 11. I'm like, let's fucking go. Like, this guy's cooked. He rolls a 12. So I'm like, oh, oh Jesus. No, come on. No. And like, and I'm like, well, my luck has been so good. Like, it's bound to, you know, go down now. He's yeah. like, draw. He goes, draw, set a back row, pass. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I won the roll oh. and I get to attack. So I kill him on my first turn. And like, so we're siding, siding, whatever. Game two, he goes, draw, shakes his head, sets two back rows and passes. I'm like, all right, I think I got this one, boys. <laughs> I think I'm lit here. When is your and day then, today? Yeah, and in the finals, you know, no disrespect to Herman. He's my guy. Imagine you're in the finals of YCS and you play versus Infernoids. I couldn't believe it. Like I, I was like, it. this is a dream. This is I a could dream. not believe it. And he was also playing go second, but I won the roll and I made him go first. He sets three back row. I lightning storm him, kill him. It was just like it was just insane. So you had a you had a dream luck experience, which is the that feels so good when you're just steamrolling. Oh, yeah. top cut uh people don't they don't know what's up because you like you said the dinosaur deck at that time was not perceived as the ycs winning deck yeah and it's it's funny the, the week before like i was the only one in top cut of the uds and you fast forward one week later and the second most represented deck was the dinosaur deck i don't know how people oh, wow. caught on that fast that it was the, like that it was like 11 in top cut of the, oh my god well it was top 16 but remember it was 48 or 16, 30, yeah, 48 players. Yeah. But 11 of 48 is still really high when it was one out of the entire tournament a week before. Yes, which means it wasn't represented at all prior to two weeks ago. And then two weeks later, it is 11 out of 48, which is a pretty big percentage of the I top I think it was cut. 11. Don't, don't don't quote me on that. Sure, but, I'm pretty but sure it was 11, 11. 11 out of 48 and then one out of 16 is actually just wild. And then two on the winning team. Yes, I mean, it won, it won the YCS. Like, you guys won. Mm -hmm. So yeah, two on the winning team. Uh, which is insane. And how did Silverman end up like deciding on a deck? Did he know that the dinosaur deck was broken from you, or did he already know from Trap Eater or Jarrett Randall? Well, he <clears throat> he wasn't playing, and I was like, "Yo, this deck's nice. Like, it's really easy. Just you you just kill your opponent." And like to Silverman's credit, my God, the hands I was drawing in, in Top Cut, he was drawing in Swiss. He was drawing insane. It was so broken. We're like, he didn't know what the cards did, Fraser. Like he did not know what the cards did. I'm oh, sure you no. heard the story. I think Couch said it when he's like, "Yo, this the, the card Lost World." He's like, "This card is terrible." Like I don't know why you play it. And in the finals, 
he's playing a mirror match and his opponent does the most standard play you've ever seen in your life. Silverman's like, you can't do that. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You play the same deck as me. What do you What do you mean I can't do that? And someone reads the card. He's like, this card's insane. I'm like, yes, in you've been signing it out in the finals. Like you've been signing this card out every match, and I've been telling you it's the best card in the deck. Oh my god, this is why. This is literally why. He's like, you can't do that. And it was like Ovi Raptor Pop Special. It was like the most yes, pop from your deck, by the way. Yeah, yeah, pop from your deck, special from your deck. He's like, you can't do that. I'm like, jeez, oh, this is my teammate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's, it's crazy that that's in the finals yeah literally you know just the finals no big yep. deal yeah i saw steve steamroll a lot of people too in uh top cut like just opening the super poly lightning storm the absolute stone just yeah he 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 was drawing it, it was like i would look over at his hand and it, i'd be like because i'd, I'd try to help him. after day one my head hurt so bad because i had to play my match and for the most part steve's match but like i said to his credit <laughs> I would look over and I'd be like, yo, your hand is crazy. Yeah, I think like you, I think you get think, excited to play it. Like, I think, I think you can, no, I didn't play it. That's, that's what I'm saying to his credit. I'm like, yo, you can just kill him. Like your hand is so ridiculous. It doesn't matter. Yeah, You can figure it out. And every single time without fail, he's like, I got it. I killed him. I'm like, all right, good job. Good job. And oh, I'd man. have to focus on my match where I can't play. And I'm like, yo, let me get that hand. Like your hand is nice. That I mean, sometimes it'd be like that. The best part about hearing this story is that you said your record day one was like abysmal, basically. Yeah. And the thing about 3v3 YCS is, is that you do need one day for two people to just be on fire. And then you mm-hmm. need the you need two people to be on fire the next day as well. And this is, you know, it's an obvious thing to say. But essentially, day one, you were having some bad beats. But then... It sounds like day two, you were drawing some of the best hands you've ever drawn with that deck ever. Five rounds in a row. Top 32, just straight up ripping through people. Yeah, every game, every match was like five, ten minutes max. And I was just destroying everybody. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Well, I should say top 16 is not top 32. But top 16, you're just, those four, those four rounds, you are just ripping it. Like, I'm drawing, like the Silverman hand, you were drawing Steve's hands day two. And that's good because sometimes you'll lose a round, but if your other two teammates win, it doesn't matter. It's great. It's a great feeling. And like, oh, I lost, but like the other two people just scraped. They just absolutely like, scraped. Every single round, like I'm not making this up. Every single round was like either me or Silverman lost and couch won. So every it basically it was a two v three. Like either me or Silverman had to win our match and right. we won the match. Every time. And that's actually broken because I heard that couch absolutely destroyed that event. Yeah, he was he. I owe I owe him everything. I heard so that he I need to just throw that out there. Ripped that event to shreds. He went undefeated day one, I believe, something like that. We, like, he went undefeated. I mean, yes, he he went undefeated every every round. The only round he lost was top eight. Yep. And then I heard that he only like couch. That is insane, by the way. Just by the fucking way. To be honest, yeah, and his team, deck was apparently his deck was not that great. Like he was using like a, a Shadal deck that nobody really thought was good. Yeah, and he and he just brought it out, which pretty much works with with our deck too, because that's what everybody thought about our deck too. And then it was just good. So that is wild to go ten and zero. It it is what you said though. If somebody on your team goes undefeated, like if you have one of the undefeated players in the room on your team, essentially every round comes down to just one of the other people. One has player, to right? Yes, yeah. it is a three v two at that point. Like it's not it's not a fair. It's no longer a fair tournament if somebody goes ten and zero. Like, which I wish, uh, honestly, I wish every event was a was a three v three because it takes out the the factor of like, oh wow, I drew terrible. You could draw terrible, and you your other two guys two o your your opponents. So it, yes, 
you win the round. It helps minimize luck. Yeah, 100%. Like, luck is always still there, but it helps take more luck out of the game. Yep. And, on, and on team sports that, are fun. It's yeah, fun exactly. I was just about to say, like, it's so much more fun. Like, when you win round six, and for no reason, you just start popping off. Yeah, you and Because you would, you would never do that. Like, if you just beat, like, a guy, random guy round six, you're like, yes. let's fucking go. Like, let's go. Like, high-fiving everybody. Yeah. I literally like, will beat a guy round six, and he'll ask to take a fucking selfie with me. I'll <laughs> grab the slip and walk away. We're straight straight yeah. face the whole way. Like, straight Peace. face. Walk away, and then people walk. Did you win? Yeah, I won. No, no happiness. No, I'm fucking somber. I'm I'm annoyed that I went. When you're on three. a team, different, right? Like, imagine it's you, Stango, and like Luke Feeney, right? Yeah. And then like it's round six, and like one of you guys lose, and it like comes down to the wire, and so like you and somebody else is like watching the last person play, and like they clutch it out. You're like, I I agree that like the team aspect of it has to change the dynamic of how excited winning is because. I also like that you can help each other, right? Like once the match is over, you know, you yeah. and couch be done your match. And then like, if Silverman is just playing, you guys can help. And then when you finally do clutch, you're like, holy shit. Like you drew, you drew the card you needed to draw right here. And the game's over now. Like you got them. It's over. It's just like everything. It, oh, it's so amazing. Like the three, like, oh man, it's, it was, it was incredible. Like every match, it always comes down to the last guy. And it's like, yo, we win. We're fucking lit. And if we lose, we are in shambles. So you need to win. And Silverman would tell you straight up because, you know, he doesn't pull his fucking punches. He's like, no, he doesn't. Hey, we need you to pull through or else we are dead. And he I'm told like, oh, Couch shit. in the finals, like create your own destiny. Yeah. He has insane lines. If you go back and watch uh, when I, I won and I'm, I'm just like basically playing for Silverman. Silverman is literally so insane. Silverman goes, I am your puppet. Control me. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally insane. He's also a good teammate. He's also a good teammate. Oh, Silverman is amazing because one thing about him, like, you know, he downplays like, oh, I don't, I haven't played and like, I don't know anything. But when it comes to actually playing card games, he's just really, really good at them in general. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that he's also a pretty lucky person as well. Mm-hmm. So we like, take those. Uh, we definitely take those. I've played Silverman for the bulk of my Yu-Gi-Oh experience. And I've been on the opposite end of some crazy shit. And he's been on the opposite end of some of my crazy shit. We played each other. So before either one of us have ever won a YCS in our lives, right? So this is, this is before 2010. We, we knew each other before 2010 for years. And I was one of the best players in Philly, you know, not known on a grand stage, but I was just known in the area. And me and him would play each other in the finals of, uh, at the time it would have been like, I don't even know what the game systems were like a PS3 tournament or a, a, a Wii tournament. Stuff VCR like that. tournament. There's a yeah. VCR tournament. I'm VCR. Sure. We would play each other in the finals of a VCR tournament, DVD yes. player tournament, right? Mm-hmm. And we have both just destroyed each other. We've both like absolutely won out at each other. I've I've been on every possible. I've won out at him. He's won out at me. I've drawn golly opening hand against him. He's done it to me. We've just done everything. So I know how dangerous he can be. And also that he's a person that sees game like Silverman's best. His app, like one of his absolute best traits is not only his ability to trick his opponents, literally like he can trick people, which is a skill that I just, I do not have it. Like he can mm-hmm. literally talk you into some bad shit and that is that is broken like he can literally say to you like oh like chris leblanc for example in the finals of uh the last ycs he won so minneapolis i think that when his opponent played pot of duality chris said oh you take rabina right and the guy actually revealed evenly matches one of the three cards 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's fucking shitting himself if he grabs evenly. Evenly matches game. It is, yeah. it is actually factually <laughs> game. Crazy. It's not a question. Like, your tier deck can't deal. You lose. Like, he he, he said, Chris was on a podcast after that. He's like, yeah, that 100% he takes evenly match, I lose. The guy, after Chris says, you take Rabina, right? The guy takes Rabina and Chris wins low ICS. You know? Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. now history. That is a skill that Silverman also possesses. And it makes him way more dangerous than like your average really good player because not only will he talk you into losing, but he also is just good at the game. And when he has, when he smells blood in the water, he, Silverman, when he plays Edison format, he doesn't fear Mirror Force, he doesn't fear Torrential. He just, he just does not. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't play like you have those cards. He accepts that you're going to have those cards very few games and he's literally not respecting them. So his tournament experience is going to come down to, how many people drew Mirror Force and Torrential against him? Mm-hmm. Because that's just how he plays. And it surprisingly gets there more often than it doesn't for him. Like, I don't, other people don't try, this is a don't try this at home moment. But like, for him playing around those kind of cards, he's just never been about that. He's like, if you got it, you got it. And that's the Philly Luna approach. He will say it though. Like, some will put all his shit in attack mode and be like, fuck it, if you got it, you got it. He shrugs his shoulders and everything. Fuck it, you got it, you got it. Attack. And he'll just push everything forward. And a person will just be sick. Because it's like, God damn it. I have literally two back rows. I have two back rows, and you're just like, absolutely not. I don't believe you. Like, well, show You want to hear me. another Silverman story going on that that example? What? What's up? Couch was playing, and Couch was trying to explain to Silverman what was going on. He's like, okay, he's about to activate a card where he has to call the top card of my deck correctly, and if he does, I'm in really bad shape. I could stop it and like give us a better chance of winning, but if he misses, like it's game on the spot. Silverman goes, I quote, fuck it. He's not hitting. So I'm like, oh, this is round one. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this is really how it's going to be like oh, no. <laughs> the entire tournament. Anyway, the guy hits it, calls it right, kills Couch. So Silverman not only loses us the game, he loses <laughs> Couch his fucking game. Couch is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have done that. So that is the mind. Like Silverman is a gambler. He loves Silverman in a nutshell right there. Fuck it. He's not going to hit it. Every time you give him a gambling opportunity guess where it's going to the casino he's oh, going to sure. fucking harrah's like he he can't help and it's just how he is but it has obviously been he's a two-time ycs champion it has been a great success for him to be the way he is and uh i i enjoy him as a person so much so he's the last member of your team and he he is not he's not been on a podcast yet so he's the last person from gonna finish that that needs to be on the i am there podcast and i can't wait to have him and the you reason gotta why, get him on oh absolutely i mean the reason why he hasn't been on for people who are wondering because like silverman and McCabe are two of my closest friends and not just in Yu-Gi-Oh, but just period. Like we have a group chat where it's just like Philly people. Right. And like, we go out to eat all the time. Mm-hmm. Chubby cattle. Yeah. Steak 48. Oh, chubby cattle. Don't Ch- even fucking oh, start with me. So I went to chubby bro. cattle with you. You did, right? Damn. That place was good. Oh, insane. Scott. Like we, Damn, we, we went good. to chubby cattle last week, literally for no reason at all. Just like a random day last week. Me, him, Vinny. Must be nice. We just ran chubby, but that's, so we're really close. Yeah, shout out to Vinny. Vinny's my guy. I love Vinny. Vinny could have been on going to finish that. Like if one of you guys were sick, oh, for sure. Vinny could have been on. He, the team. Yeah, he was a reserve. He was a reserve. He's definitely a reserve. But I wait a I, second. Why could he be on our team? Stop. Because huh? <laughs> Vinny knows how to finish that. One thing about one hundred percent. One thing about Vinny, he knows how to finish that. So I, I just love like the, having those guys as close friends for pretty much my honestly more of my life than not now because I'm so fucking old. Mm-hmm, but they've yeah. been they've been in my life so long now and. Being around them, it's interesting that they haven't been on a podcast only because I feel like I can get them at any time. 
Like, you can get them on whenever you want. There, it could be a it, random Thursday. Hey, Silverman, I need you for the pod. That's, okay, but that's literally always been the reason. It's like I could literally, whenever me and Kenny need a topic for a day, be like, "Yo, what are you doing right now?" Podcast, basically. Like I can pull them at any moment. Whereas mm-hmm. other people have to schedule it ahead. Like I've talked to you right. about doing this podcast episode o- over a month ago, mm-hmm. and me and you, whenever we do talk, we talk for a, a minute and like we have a great time and everything like that. But you live in Texas, right? Like. Yeah, you live in Texas, so we don't we don't talk that often. And people who are further away from the Philadelphia area, people who I don't see so often, I'm more inclined to reach out to them because I'm like, okay, this guy's kind of far away. I kind of want to get them because I'm not going to see them. But Silverman and McCabe, like I see them fucking every week, like not even kidding, like every single week of my life this year, I've pretty much seen them. So yeah, but yeah, Silverman will be on the podcast for sure in 2023. That's going to be insane. I might actually bring. It might have to be a gonna finish that episode. Like it, it might have to be at some point. I just bring in all the whole squad and we just like at- selfishly, selfishly. I'm so down for that because there are there are so many stories that happen. Just the whole story about how the team got together is oh I, out of this world. Crazy. And Silverman is the best storyteller in Yu Gi Oh. Like easily, he is the funniest. I don't know. He's hilarious. Oh, like, he's when, hilarious. When Steve tells a story. It is the funniest shit you will ever hear in your life. The way he's, the way he talks. My one friend pointed out, he was like, yo, Silverman just speaks in hyperbole. Like he just <laughs> speaks in actual hyperbole. Everything he says is just hyperbole. It's so fucking funny. I'm laughing at it right now because like all the, th- I'm just thinking about some of the stories that I can't even repeat on this podcast because they're so oh. bad. I'm they're sure they're so, fucking horrible. Oh, canceled immediately. Like tonight. <laughs> yeah, po- immediately. Like, canceled immediately. An episode won't even be posted until tomorrow. We'd be fucking canceled because it's oh, it's so good. He's such a good person. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm so excited just thinking about the pr- like just the idea of having all of you guys on. So that's a 2023 goal for the I'm there podcast. To just have the whole team. We'll probably do a separate, maybe we'll, you know, someone will get his own episode, because that would be fucking unreal to just not give him his own but then we need to have yeah, papa a, needs his own for sure he needs his own because he has his own he has his own ycs winner he got with the high roll deck lights worn way back in the yes. day and his deck was good though he played oppression oh, his deck was really good ahead of his time steve has always been ahead of his time like he's again he downplayed i said this he downplays himself a lot like he will say i'm a rock or, I'm not that sometimes good. sometimes and there's some but he'll also tell you he's the fucking goat the best player well, to ever touch a card not close well there you go so sometimes he's like that <laughs> but a lot of times he pretends to be like oh like you know oh, I'm, I'm shit yeah i've heard i'm, I'm shit come out of his mouth but i'm like bro you're, you're never actually shit though fundamentals yeah. fundamentals don't go away like yeah, they don't just, go away some people are just killers like the second i started playing edison format again and I got the t- the taste of sitting in front of a person and realizing, oh, wait, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm actually just built differently than you are. And I'm going to <laughs> win as a result of the fact that we are just built differently. Like, as soon as I got a taste of it this year, I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is, I rem- it's like riding a bike. It was just like riding a bike. Like I just simply mm. can sit down and outplay people. And by the end of the game, like you look, it's like, this wasn't even close. Like this game ended and it wasn't even close. I had a match last week against a Blackwing player at my local. And it's so funny. He drew Whirlwind both games. And I 2 owed him so bad. Like when I tell you he won a die roll and opened up Whirlwind both games. So he got to go first both games. Let's be clear. Got to go first both games. A good opened start. Up, opened up Whirlwind and everything, right? Whirlwind set to with the Starlight Road and everything. And I just fucking apps with and mind you, oh, I just want to be clear. I didn't I did not draw Whirlwind in either game. I did not draw mm-hmm. Whirlwind in either game. And I just tooled him. And it's just like that feeling, knowing that if I had his hand, I would have tooled myself. 
Like, oh, oh, drew, for sure. yeah. after the game was over, I look at his graveyard, I spread his grave, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have won. Like, I absolutely <laughs> yeah. shouldn't have won. Like, there's looking at your grave, there's actually no world where I win this game, but like, I'm just built differently. And that feeling, there's nothing that shit is like a high. It is an absolute high. And that's the reason why I'm still playing this format is because it just feels good to outplay people and like win because you're better. Yes, that is definitely a thing in Edison. Yep. Um, okay, so let's transition over to... So yeah, you guys won. Congrats on that. I'm so happy that you're a YCS champion. It actually feels surreal. Oh my God, me too. Jesus it, Christ. Like, I guess let's get into that a little bit. How did it feel, Scott, like actually winning a YCS? Like, did you did you have aspirate? Because you were around Billy Brick, right? One of the best players of all time. And you yeah, had a he, lot uh... of killers. You had Chris Bowling at your fucking local. Like, your local was crazy. My local was... It was easily like not close to the best local level. Like you, you'd walk into locals and it's like Billy, Philly, Ryan Spicer, Chris Bowling, Jason Holloway, like the actual goats of the game. Yeah. And they had, I'm actually uh, a genius. Jason, but you, go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, Jason has 16 tops in a win. I will let you, I will let you have it, but Jason, I will, also, I will defend my guy, Jason. Jason also has, just cause other, he's hilarious. He has an asterisk next to his name. Oh, Jason Stall or sorry, Holloway. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> like our local, so that local had a top eight. And let's a just say, eight. let's just say Jason right now with the new time rules would be cracked. Oh, he would be nice. He would be cracked out of this world. Jason Stall Holloway there would go. be cracked out of this world in 2022. You get with the time rules, but anyway, you had a top, you had a top half and a bottom half. Yeah. So at that local with like literal gods of the game, it was a top eight and a bottom eight, and I wasn't terrible but I wasn't as good as these guys. So I would, ju- and the prizing was the same. So I would just lose every round, make bottom eight, win bottom eight and win the box every week. Wait, what? Oh, you mean literally a top eight in a bottom eight. Yeah. It was like a 40 person local. So the, it was like a triple box tournament, like top eight got two boxes and bottom eight first place and bottom eight got the, the box if you won the tournament. So I dodged all the oh, good players and I beat insane. all the shitters. Yeah, that's how I like accumulated a lot of cards. Like so you, sand, was, you sandbag then, right? That's the strategy. Oh, bad. Bad. I would I, lose, like I literally would like sit down and just like I would play, but I would just like lose. Scott, like, yeah, imagine me fucking doing that every week. <laughs> I literally go sandbag for three rounds at my local, get to the bottom part of it, and then I'm playing with literal fish. Like, that shit would be so unfair. That is that is amazing. You are a genius for realizing how quickly that shit can be exploited. But go ahead. Yeah, it was nice. Um, but yeah, like, my, my area is it's a really interesting thing. Like, <clears throat> I'm very lucky that I'm, I've been around the players that I've been around literally the entire time that I've played. Even now, like, the friends that I have are legitimately the best in the game. Yeah. Like, Billy was Billy was my best friend for... Oh God, five or six years in a row. I saw him pretty much three or four times a week. We hung out outside of the game. Like he, he was my yeah, that's guy. How you, that's St- how you know it's real. Still is my friend, but like, imagine Frazier. I'm sure you know something like this. You go to your first local ever. My first local was the light of destruction sneak peek. And a guy, the guy at my local, like, I'm sitting there playing my appropriate Exodia deck. I had just got back into the game. I, Not this, I, I appropriate Zodi Exodia. Frazier, put some respect on my deck, okay? My one of my first one of my first Yu-Gi-Oh memories is I'm literally I'm like, oh man, my deck's like really nice, my appropriate Exodia deck, and I'm just like super shitter, like ass. And I walk back, I walk past this guy, and he's got a Spirit Reaper. I'm like, oh, that monster doesn't die by battle. That gives me more time, you know, more turns to draw Exodia. And I was like, hey, what do you want for the Spirit Reaper? And the guy's like, uh, I don't know. 
And I was like, would you take a dollar for it? And he looks at me, he turns, and he goes, you got a solid dollar? I'm like, yeah, I got a solid dollar. Here's the dollar. So he takes it out of his sleeve and gives it to me. I'm like, ooh, let's go. That's like one of my first you get memories. But anyway. Was well, so it not black your... by any chance? Uh, did, I, did I give it away? Or... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> got a solid dollar. But anyway, okay, so. And I'm like sitting there just like chilling with like the other uh-huh. shitters of the world. And Billy walks in. Or at the time, I don't know who this is. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Billy's here. Oh, my God. And you know old Billy, right? With the yeah. long hair. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. long hair. And he had a deck box on his belt buckle. He wore his, stop. like, he's Fucking like an anime stop. character. Stop. Yes. Actually, he's like an anime stop. character. And I'm like, yo. And in my head, I'm like, this guy's a fucking loser. He has his dead box on his fucking belt buckle. <laughs> oh, this guy's no. a god in here? Like, what? I did not know oh, the story was going this direction. Shit. I had no then, idea. <laughs> so fast forward, and then we we start, you know, I like to talk to people. Like, it's always been, I always want to, like, try to be the best that I can be. So, like, yes. if people are, like, riding this guy, I'm going to be like, all right, cool. Well, this guy's clearly nice. And then, so, yeah, from that point on, it was like... Every, like every local was just like a top cut of an event. It's like, oh, Chris Bowling versus Ryan Spicer. Yes. Billy, Billy versus grand me. finals of an actual YCS right there. Or actual like, SJC. It was, I'm, I, honestly, I'm just lucky. Like straight up. I, I just got to surround myself with like really good You know players. what I think, Scott? I think that that's true for a lot of the people who are good at Yu-Gi-Oh! And who have like won and amassed a lot of tops and stuff like that. We're, we're lucky. Because yeah. as you're telling this story, I'm thinking about it. So mine isn't necessarily as blatant as yours, but it is still broken when you think about it. So I'm surrounded by unknowingly though, because at the time we were all no one, but like Silverman and McCabe. And back in the day when we all played, these are some of the best killers in the entire game of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like you McCabe created the Gravekeeper deck, right? So like that deck got first, second, and third. Mm-hmm. It got first, second, and third. It's only YCS has ever been premiered at and played that and everything. Like it is one of the best decks and it's one of the best decks in the game's history just because of what it did at a tournament. At a tour- come out of, uh, for a deck to come out of nowhere when no one expects it, take top three spots. So his mind is next level. Also, McCabe has so many prize cards. He's gotten to the top four so many fucking times and gotten so many prize cards. He's like a really, really good player. And then same thing with Silverman. Like He also has double-digit tops, two wins. But we didn't know when we were all really young that that's what the story at the time exactly that that's this gonna, is what that's we would become be, yeah. but it's really lucky to be surrounded and i'm also saying only those two but we also have other insane players who have double digit tops like tom mack is from mm-hmm. our local like mark velez is from our local we have brent getter who's also a, a sjc champion playing at our local brian long another sjc champion playing at our local shu ping eventually shows up and starts like he becomes a mainstay in the philly locals and, and the list goes on and like 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 Furman and Christian, like all these people, it's just crazy that like the area that like I live in has the same exact thing where all of this talent has come out of the surrounding area, like either directly in Philly or literally they're so close that they Philly is their local. Like they come to Philly to play because there's nothing in their area that's like even worthwhile. And it's just a really lucky thing to have that. And we kind of take it for granted because it's all we know. Like, I didn't know mm-hmm. that there are locals out there where there's no one. Like, they, yeah, and you, fucking no offense to bumfuck mississippi you're probably ass out right there. like there's just places like just, in, there's no you don't have anybody guiding you like it's just like your best player your local who's probably like on a scale of one to ten like a three yep. is your best player and you can't surpass him right because, like you think he's a crack but he goes to a ycs and he goes oh two drop like you did yeah there's people with natural talent i don't have natural talent when i play Yu Gi Oh. 
the, I was surrounded with people that showed me what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Like Billy would like yell at me and scream at me. And I so would just be like, me now. everybody would be like, damn, he's like yelling at you. I'm like, yeah, good. I'm yeah. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Tell like me that. that I'm fucking up. I like that. And like, just, but just, I could have been doing anything, Frazier. I could have been doing fucking anything. I decided to go play Yu-Gi-Oh! on a random Saturday and the best player to ever play was at my local. I just think that's crazy. That is very, very insane. That is insane. I mean, imagine being a leveret and you go to a local and Patrick Hoban and Patrick Hoban's there. Simply yeah, exists. That he, is luck. He like, simply, that is just part of the journey. He simply breathes. Yeah, and you're lit because of it. You are Desmond Johnson. Okay. <laughs> Exist- no, stop right there. Okay. Uh, stop right all there. Right, stop right. right there because all I know you're about to say some crazy shit. Okay. All right, all right. I need to stop you before you get out of hand right, because I heard that name come out of your mouth and I'm like, all right, this cannot end well. <laughs> I'll chill. I will chill. Scott, <laughs> Scott, you are so good, man. I was about to say. Anyway, Patrick Hoban breathes. I'll leave it at that. But yes, imagine the insane luck to be at the same local as a kid. As Patrick Hoban, who is one of the best players, if not the actual statistical best player in in history, like in mm-hmm. actual history, Patrick Hoban, at one point, it was just like, it wasn't even a conversation. It wasn't even close. He's the GOAT. It, it wasn't, wasn't even close. a conversation at one point because of, I think what people forget about his legacy, you know, let me just suck him off a little bit real quick. Um, Pat did a lot very fast. If you look at the time span of him winning nationals in 2013, and then look at how many wins he had in 2015. So only two years later, not even a full two years later. He has two YCS wins and a Nationals win within like an 18-month period. It might be shorter than that, but I'm just going to cast a wide net. And say within 18 months of his first win, he has now a National Championship and two YCSs. That is crazy. Like, it is I think crazy. I think a, a few different players have like a claim at being the GOAT. Yes. And Patrick's claim, in my opinion, is yeah, he's amazing. Obviously, you have to be good for yes to to have all those accolades. But without Patrick, let's say Patrick never played, the game would never have changed. It never would have been like Yo, summon a monster, floodgate your ass. So was, that would have never happened. That is why I consider him to be till this day like the. Also, I didn't know that he made Chris LeBlanc's deck that just won the YCS like two mm-hmm. months ago. I did. I did not know until Chris LeBlanc told me like. Patrick Hoban built this deck that I, the fact that he is still in 2022, his mind is still able to just realize this is how the deck should be built. This is what should be cited. This is what we should be doing with Ibley, like stuff that people just were not on. Like there's just stuff that people were still with the Jesse Cottons of the world. No disrespect to them. The Christian readers, the honeys like Pat is still fucking insane, right? Like his mind is still just so crazy that even if he necessarily himself is not performing well, I think one of the scariest things about him as a player is what he has done to other people and what he has done to the game of Yu-Gi-Oh and how you said it would not have changed to what it is right now. 2013 changed Yu-Gi-Oh. Like we yeah, were he, all he changed it. He legitimately he, he is the it. he is the progenitor of Yu-Gi-Oh's era right now. Like the reason why you want to go summon your whole hand, set a back row that floodgates your opponent or do it with extra yeah. deck monsters. The reason why that mindset exists is literally because of this guy. Like Japan wasn't even on that. <laughs> Japan was the OCG wasn't even doing that. Like it's crazy. There's, there, there's still acid building decks. I, I, I agree. It's, it's kind of bizarre. You know, I, I agree, but it, it, it is insane that like this guy changed the actual game that we played for years up until that point, like upstar goblin, just becoming a card. Like it just, 
wasn't again control f the top 16 decks of the actual edison shonen jump championship like control f it <laughs> yeah and then type Zero. in the word upstart just type in upstart type in the word goblin like there are certain things that just <laughs> that just did not happen it, it's actually crazy because you won't see goblin for goblin zombie or upstart goblin which is wild yeah but like 2010 you could correct every deck list by just like putting upstart goblins in them and stuff like that and it's just it is it is insane like you said his claim is so absurd not only because of how many wins he got because like a lot of people have nowadays with how long they've played and everything like a lot of people have a lot of wins and stuff like that but if you look at how long they've been playing like that that's that should happen like after a uh-huh. while you and i think like if you never stop playing right and it's been 10 plus years and you were already an insane player you are going to rack up the wins are going to rack up like i don't see jesse slowing down i don't see chris leblanc slowing down those guys are just going to keep winning like they're good spoiler alert 2023 they're going to win more ycs's that's just that's just reality yeah like, jesse might jesse might be the goat now I, yeah i don't want to i don't want to call him the goat now because there's going to be a time where it's just like He's the goat for sure when yes. he has seven or eight wins. Yes, in like that's, five that, years that, that day is or whatever. Coming. So that I got. I, I'm very biased. Billy is the goat in my eyes. Yep, and because I, look, I, I, I got to it. watch him play every week, and the ways that he would beat people was just like you could just tell he was like he was different. He was built different. Yeah, some people just are, and I agree with you. And, Billy is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, like, so I'm I'm a little biased there. I think Patrick is also crazy. Like if I had a top three, it'd probably be like Billy, Patrick, and Jesse for now. But Jesse's, I mean, Jesse's gonna be the fucking goat. Like, yeah, where where Billy's? Insane. So where Billy's uh, technical play is like god tier, right? Like he's a god tier when he's dueling in the game. He is fucking absurd, right? Patrick Hoban is the exact thing. Deck building. Deck building. It mm-hmm. is. Apps there. I don't think we've ever had a deck builder that is on Patrick's level, and I don't think we've ever had someone who literally has changed the entire game, and it has not reverted since he started fucking topping. Like, top this event, win this event, and the game just changes, and his deck building constant. Like, how many winning decks has this man created? He's still doing it. Like, it's that. So they they have like these two crazy skills. Like one of them sits down. And you're going to lose because he's actually just fucking better than you. Not to say that, like, outplay you. He's actually going to outplay you. And and the crazy part is that at one point, Yu Gi Oh, that was more important than your deck, clearly, mm-hmm. because look at Edison's top fucking sixteen deck list, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Clear- and look at the players. Look at the players that did well. Right. Jeff won. Billy was top four. Right. That's all I really know. I'm guarantee if I went back, I'd find some more names. There but- are there are definitely there are definitely people who topped that event who are they were good people, like good players and everything like that. But that's what it was back in the day. It was technical pure technical skill. play mattered so much more. And then the game shifts, and a new skill was required to be the best. And and there's a dark period where Patrick is literally topping or winning everything with his little yeah. with his little posse bot like it's not just him it's him the hobots it's it's him and the hobots right they're winning every single thing my bad for interrupting but that just reminded me of what i used to call silverman's crew when i was like really <laughs> little because because I, I used to go to uh AU. i used to go to alternate universes au and silverman was like by far clearly the best person yeah and he had like this little posse of people that were just always around him and they would always do well because they just like did whatever Silverman told them to do. And they were like, also nice. did really well. And I used to always call them Silverman and the Silverines. Oh, that's <laughs> like, nice. I just Silverines. Like, I love it. I used to just call them that all the time. It was great. Yo, the Silverines is 
amazing. I remember you telling me that and I could not look at them the same after. Like I always just saw them and I, I'm not going to name the people who they were, but they were literally mini Silvermans in stature and everything. They literally, okay. that, that's what, that's what made it hilarious is that they were just shorter, younger versions of him, like replicas, actual nice. fucking replicas. And so when he called them the Silverines, I lost it. Cause he just said it casually. Like one day we were chilling in Kenny's basement and he just mentions them. And I'm like, who the fuck are you talking are about? You, no, I said it as if you should know what I'm yes. saying already. I was like, who the fuck are the Silverines? And he's like, the, you know, like the crew that follows Silverman around, they're like conjoined at the hip. And I was like you mean and then i just said their names he's like yeah dumb whoever they like the silverines i was like yo <laughs> so it, yeah billy billy pat jesse they're just they're i also just... think g i also think christian might like because I'm, I'm a big believer that he could he could just win two in a row like it could be the oh, next two could, events well, he tops every he event. could just yeah he he has like 20 24 tops or something ridiculous it, it, it could any tournament right could be his that's a crazy him and jesse have like a, I think him, Jesse, and Hani, honestly, they all have this thing where any tournament, right, could just be theirs. Like any one of them. They top yeah. literally every single fucking tournament. They just need like that shed of luck that it takes to win. It, yeah, you have you to need, be lucky to win a tournament. Need, I tell people this all the time. They like, do not think that anybody who's ever won a Yu Gi Oh event did it all because they're just better than everyone. That is not the case. You still need luck with the best deck and with the best technical play. You still mm-hmm. need luck. You could be the best technical player in a room and have the absolute best deck in a room, and it does not guarantee you a win. That is just a fact. Like, even when I won, I know I wasn't the best player in that room. Do you know why? Because one of the people who I beat on my way to winning was Jerry Wang, a three-time Ooh, nice. SJC champion. I 2 owed him, and he didn't take life points away from me. Do you know what he said at the end? Jerry Wang got up and said, do you mind if I see your deck? I gave him the deck. He literally scanned through it and said, I'm playing this from now on and walked away. <laughs> he also called a judge on me when I wrote a tribute to him and I didn't have a hand and I dropped his entire hand. It was like debris, titanium, oh, sick. of he's course, sick. Uh, Lone Fire Blossom, Pot of, like he, he had a hand. I dropped all of his cards and left him with Pot of Avarice and he calls a judge. And he's like, I just want to know if he can legally activate that card without having a card in his hand. And the judge is like, well, why wouldn't he be able to? And Jerry was like, I just want to make sure. I just want to check because it, it matters a lot. Oh, man. Yeah, like, yeah it's, either it, I, it's either I die or I don't. It, so. yeah, like you're, like this, is, this matters a lot. And the judge is like, yeah, he absolutely can play that card with no cards in his hand. And he, Jerry, Jerry's like, okay. And he just gives me a handshake. Before you won, I was playing in a local and I just playing versus a random guy playing Gravekeepers. But this is before Recruiter. This is when the deck was like not playable. Right. And he world tributes me. And I'm like, oh, what is like, what does that do? He's like, he's <laughs> like, oh, you just, you just, you just, you discard your entire hand, if it, or you discard all your monsters. And I picked it up and no, I no, read no, it. You, you said it right the first time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I picked it up and I read it, and I turned to Billy and I'm like, Billy, is this, is this a real card? He's like, yeah. I'm like, this is a creator card. What? I was like, why does nobody play this? Yeah. He's like, oh, it's just, it's just not that good. I'm like, it's not that good. He just four for one me. <laughs> what do you mean it's not that good and the next thing i know that card's crazy yep the card is literally so it's funny because gravekeeper has become like it becomes tier zero for the event that it premiered at talk about a fucking auto win button tier, tier zero when I, I remember going to that sneak preview you guys and nobody was looking for that card like mckay was buying them for like 50 cents yeah like no nobody was looking for a recruiter we, we knew what the plan was weird is that 
I still think this is the weirdest thing about that. Before the Gravekeeper's recruiter got announced, McCabe was saying there's a new Gravekeeper card in the next set. It's like TCG exclusive. And that's the deck we're playing for Atlanta. And I was like, what? How do you how are you gonna say that if you don't know what it is yet? And he was like, Well, I'm assuming it's gonna be a tuner, and that's going to break the deck. And I thought about it, I was like, Oh, that would be fucking ignorant, right? Because like uh, you, two, you flip you, spy, you flips, but that was the logic. It was like you flip spy, game's over. Flip spy well, like maybe like flip a starter, like if it's a level four tuner, right? Flip mm-hmm. spy, make a starter, set your back rows. Yes. So we were talking about that oh, it's good. We were like, it's definitely gonna be a tuner. That's going to break the deck. It's going to make the deck so insane because then you just have guaranteed protection for your Necro Valley. Just Stardust It's now protecting my Necro Valley and like it just changes everything. It comes out, gets announced. Recruiter is not a tuner. It's not even a four-star monster because we wanted to be a four-star tuner, if anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not even a four-star monster. Granted, three stars would be Arcanine Magician, which is still broken, but like Dude, I didn't think about that. four stars is just not okay. Uh, anyway, so it comes out. We get the effect. And we're still keeping under wraps that this is the deck we're playing, but I'm getting shaky about it. And he's like, oh, it's trust. actually insane. <laughs> yeah, trust. And we're still playing the deck. It's actually mm-hmm. insane what it does. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's start running. T-. This is this is back in AIM days. Like, I don't know if you guys remember AIM Instant Messenger. Fuck. AOL Instant Messenger was a lifestyle for us back then. Okay. This is, this is how old I am. I'm finally giving you guys some insight on how old I actually am. But this is the AIM days. This Wait, is hold like, on. What was what was your AIM username? I gotta hear your AIM username. I be trolling. Oh, that's not even bad. Yeah, it was a low mine, mine was yeah. Go ahead. Mine was Dirk Freak three two one. I'm from <laughs> Dallas. My boy Dirk. You know how we get down here. I know how you guys get down there. <laughs> Billy's also crazy as hell with our our sports fans and stuff like that. But um, but yeah. So back then he was like, "Yo, recruiter is still the play. It's not even a question. Like this is the best deck." I tried playing at the at the time I was on plants. Like just to be clear, I was on plants. I was like, plants is the deck that just won the last tournament, which was in Philly, I believe. It was an SJC. Oh, a good timing. Yes, it was a it was a I guess it was a YCS. It was a YCS in Philly. Uh, McCabe actually got third playing X Sabers. So at this time, he's like catching up the Silverman and Tops, or if not already surpassed Silverman and Tops. Uh, he just doesn't have the win yet, but he's like ripping the scene in 2010. Like McCabe had topped a couple times in 2010. I was like, holy shit, I don't know if I trust this deck. Like, this seems really weird. Plants just won, and like, Plants is really, really good. Pot of Avarice. Mind you, it's, it's crazy to think that I was the guy caping for the Ryko deck, and now I fucking despise it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I am so against it. But we played a couple matches, me playing Plants and playing the, the Gravekeeper deck, and I could not win a single game if I constructed my hand. I could construct my, because I got to a point where I was like, fuck this. How about I just pick my six? You have to draw Trunade or else you can't play, right? The Trunade wasn't played, though, unfortunately. Trunade just wasn't played. In the plant deck? It was not played. Was it heavy? Was heavy illegal? I think heavy was legal. Because we played Double Starlight Road. We played Double Starlight Road is the problem. And... Ooh. Yes. And Solemn Judgment. So, like, Heavy Storm is actually a death sentence across the table. Like, I, every game, want you to draw heavy. Like, I, I want you to draw heavy... Every single game. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to heavy into a Starlight Road, or you're going to heavy, and then after you heavy, there's no deck back then that did anything too crazy. So for the rest oh, yeah, of the, yeah, they had to kill you. For the rest of the game, I'm going to set every trap, and the deck played 12 monsters, so the deck is just traps. After you do that heavy storm, that's it. Like, the game's a, the game ended, every round ended the same way. Either Royal Tribute, and like, you lose, or Heavy Storm, 
hitting, like actually resolving or not resolving because of Starlight Road or Solemn Judgment, and then you lose that way. Like it was just the same thing every round. Like the deck went 10 0 in Swiss. Like it wasn't me or McCabe, it was a guy at our local uh, who actually got the deck from losing to it. Like he didn't have that was exact... Ronald Mac, right? Yes, he actually okay. he actually got the deck list because McCabe and him used to play for money. And he essentially oh, recre- that's nice. he recreated the deck basically from losing to it. Like, all right, well, this deck fucking. Shout out to that guy. Did, did he? So he he wasn't with you guys. No, he was not actually with us. Like when we booked our flight and hotel, like he's not actually a. He's from Philly, from the same local. We know him very well, but he is not actually with us at mm. this tournament, right? So he's like on his own accord. He's doing his own thing. We didn't even know that he was playing that until he starts ripping the tournament. Go, he goes ten. He goes undefeated in Swiss. So the deck went undefeated in Swiss. Takes first, second, third, all prize cards come home. Like That's so crazy. Like absolutely insane, right? But I still had my doubts. And then I couldn't win a game. I constructed my hand, still couldn't win a game. And it got to a point where it's like funny. So I switched to X Sabres. I'm like, okay, let me play your deck. Like, this is McCabe's deck, the X Saber deck. I'll play your X Saber deck and I'll fucking for sure cream you. Couldn't win a game. I was, yeah. like, I was like, what is go like what is going on? Why like why is this deck seemingly so unbeatable? I'm going fucking, I don't know, like Boggart Knight, Poshul fall trawl and he's just like i'm gonna book a moon your partial game's over i have a yeah. set spy i'll just book a moon your partial i have a yeah, necro about, val- about to go down i have a necro value on the field nothing on your field can beat a spy 2500 defense you can't beat it the game's over the game is actually over you don't even realize it yet like your options are do you attack my face down monster okay spy get descendant you lose like what are we doing you lose like what are we doing here the game just falls apart so every game and, and then the royal tribute games like un- unnecessary to even talk about yeah. like they're just they're just game because people play twenty. There. people play 20 monsters back then that was mm-hmm. just what you did that was Yu-Gi-Oh. you played 20 monsters you got royal tribute you dropped four of them normally like it's just a normal thing to have happen yeah i just didn't believe but lo and behold but yeah we're all it's just crazy the talent man the talent some people are just born like you, you were talking about how people are just gifted, right? Like some people are just fucking gifted. And like some people that I've grown up with in this game are just that. They're just so talented. They're so gifted at the things that they see, the foresight that they have, the future mm-hmm. that they can see is like, it's I could go on. I could go on about that forever. I, I feel like there's natural talent and then there's like people that aren't naturally good and they have to like work for they it. They work not to say really people, hard. Right. Not to say the people that are natural don't work it. Obviously they do, but yeah. they have a huge upper hand. Like I am, I am horrible. Like, Unless I have like two weeks at least to fucking grind OD right. with one of these decks, I'm just gonna be just shit. So like, there's people like there's people like me who <laughs> <laughs> they need help, and then there's like I had a friend that would just like pick up a deck he's never played before in top regional. He's just naturally good. You know who's yeah. else like Sam Pedigo was like that, right? Sam Pedigo. Sam Sam was naturally good, but he was also the hardest worker. Like you've ever seen. That's I remember right. okay. made spreadsheets and shit like that. Didn't he? He was, yeah, he was ahead of his time. And he was a boomer even all the way back then. Even yes. when he was like 22, he was a fucking boomer. Yeah. But, uh, Sam, I'm playing at a region. Sam had just started playing. Right. And for people that don't know, like he's not, a, I don't think he's like a really well-known, like he, he was old though. school guy. Nowadays, I would say most people probably don't know Sam. Sam, maybe I'm jaded because I was around him all the time. Yeah, and he was he was you know my friend from my local, but he was oh Sam was so good. But he came. This is maybe he wasn't that anyway. So we're at a regional, and this guy is like this new guy on the block. I don't really want to talk to him. I don't really want to fucking deal with this guy. I'm just naturally. I'm just trying to duel and then get out. I just yeah, like I don't like change. And he, like he knows, like me and Billy, me and Billy were like, 
Oh yeah, me and me and Billy. Oh, you're from Texas, so me, me and Billy. Like, uh, yeah, I know. You got the red hoodie <laughs> on on his fucking like. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm looking nice, but um, <laughs> like me on, and go. Billy were like probably the two best players at the local after like a certain time. Yeah, and Sam, Sam did what I did. He kind of like tried to get in with us, and at the time, I'm like, oh, god. This and you, kn- guy. you knew it. You fucking knew it, and you hated. I it. knew it. I knew it. I, and I did, because he played like the joke even before he was like in our like in our squad. He played so fucking slow. Like Billy played it one time and he's yeah. Sam draws to three. Sam draws to three. I'm not even trolling. He sits there for like a minute straight. And then he goes, Bogart Knight, another monster, fall troll. And Billy's like, What took you so long? I he's bet. like, I'm thinking where I want to go at the end of the combo. The way that Tom <laughs> so he would fucking talk. Sam would I talk. hate that only because if you're going to do that, do that part first. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, do, just get it going, get that just, part out the way and then start thinking afterwards. I actually coach my friends on this in the game. We play DC deck building and the same, there's these times where they'll just hold I don't, If you don't know what DC deck building is, it's like Ascension, but you like buy cards, stuff like that. So they'll have cards in their hand that they should just be putting on the table instantly. Like this is the situation you're not. Cause in that game, there's no opponent either. Like you don't really have an opponent technically. So yeah, no I can't can really... play a trap card. I can't interrupt your play. Right. So basically, if I have no back rows and I just have a colossal fighter in attack mode, and you drew to three, and your hand is Bogart Paschal Faltral, I understand. Go, that you're, go. You're trying to under. I understand that you want to know what the line is once you summon all three because you're going to. But start off by summoning all three. There's no yeah, world like... where you're not going to do that. Just start start off by doing that first, and then think. I'm surprised you brought up Sam. I have so many things, but I was at a regional and he's like, Hey, because Sam has a really deep voice. He's like, Hey man, what's your record? I'm like, I'm doing pretty good. I'm like, I I, I was doing pretty well at the time. My record doesn't matter. And he's like, yeah, I just lost my third round. My opponent flipped solemn judgment and I tried to trap stun. And in my head, I'm like, get away from me. This is so funny because Sam ends up being like a really good player too. Like really fucking good. Like he doesn't get his flowers. And Sam is also like, you know, we're talking about him now. He is one of the most polite people I've ever met. Oh, he's a really good dude. Almost to the point where it started to disturb me a little bit. (laughs) I started to say to him, because I remember he would, we would talk every event, like every event at some point, me and Sam would talk. And then he used to write for ARG or something. I don't know why. He did. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, why do I feel like Sam was on my team at some point? So at some point, he won the YCS on ARG and he was wearing his ARG shirt and they made him cover up the logo with, uh, like if you go, it's really funny. If you go back and look at his photo, yeah, it's like him and he, they, they made him hold something random. In front of it. They're like, they're like, put this in front of your jet. It's like a binder or something. Right. It's like holding up the trophy is really bizarre. Yes. I remember that. That was a dark time in Yu-Gi-Oh's history. Jesus. It was. It but was. Sam is one of the most polite people. It started to literally disturb me because I was like, did you maybe like, I don't know, do something really bad in another life. And this is like your redemption arc because you are way <laughs> too nice. Like, I'm not going to say what I actually said because it's bad. Like it's real, uh-huh. it's real bad. When I actually said it, I like, I named something that I think he like could have done in a past life that he's atoning for now. But uh-huh. I was like, are you this H guy reincarnated? Jesus. And, and, like, and like, you are now trying to atone because like you are so outrageously nice and just such a good person, like on the outside. Right. And I was like, 
you also wear glasses. You're, you look like Clark Kent. I used to always call him Clark Kent. He's he like, looks just like Superman. Yeah. He lo- like if, if anyone played Superman, if it wasn't going to be Henry Cavill, whatever his name is, like it, <laughs> it was, be Sam. It was gonna be Sam. Like they, those were literally the guy from Smallville, Henry Cavill, and fucking Sam Pinigo. Like that was literally Superman's cast. Uh, so every time I just to say like I feel like you with the glasses and you without the glasses are two different people. Doctor Jackal, Mister High. I had so many nicknames for this guy, but I love them because he was just such a breath of fresh air to just know somebody who genuinely at least from the outside looking in, genuinely was just super polite. If I would say something mean about someone, because you know me, I would say something mean. I'd be like, that fucking guy was an idiot. Mm-hmm. And Sam, yeah. Sam would be like, well, like he would, he would never like, com- he would never just go in on them. Like I want out. Cause like, we're on ARG. He's wearing an ARG hoodie. I'm wearing an ARG hoodie. Let's be toxic. What the yeah, fuck yeah, is yeah, happening? Yeah. Like, let's, come on. This guy just won. And he shouldn't have. Let's be toxic. And Sam was just like, no. Yeah, he likes to look at it. He likes to look at things from both sides. I He's was like, expect, yeah, but I can get Sam. why he thought that. And I'm like, no, Sam, that play was terrible. And you know it was bad, Sam. You wouldn't have made that play. He's like, I wouldn't have, but I'm like, God damn it. He just wouldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't turn him. Just couldn't fucking I mean, turn fast him. Fast forward after this reach. So he tried to trap some of Solemn. And like, fast forward, like, two, <laughs> fast forward, like, you can't and I was just like, pick up right there. And I was like, get away from me, dude. Like, please just leave me alone. And then, and then he comes and then like two months later, I'm like, we're playing and we're just chilling. And like, he's, you know, we're, we're becoming friends. And I'm like, damn, is this guy better than me now? Like, oh, this guy's yeah. really oh, nice. The realization when it creeps in like, is so what funny. What happened? I used to be better than this guy. Now I'm coming to him for advice. <laughs> <laughs> the realization is so good. Dude, what's that, going yo, on? That actually happens. I'm telling you, there's a point where. The guy you make fun of or the guy who you, for lack of a better word, look down on, eventually surpasses you. And it's kind of just ignorant as hell. It is just the it's most. Like, Damn. It's like, like, am I ass? <laughs> am I ass now? <laughs> my ass. Yo, you can't just transition and go. So anyway, he got done trying tra- to trap stun a solemn judgment. <laughs> like after I just, praised, me, like, I just praised this guy like, for being yo. not only a good player, but also being a saint. And Another just, thing, like I used to play test with him all the time like mm-hmm. he was my number one play testing buddy for for a for a certain period of time and like he would make a play and then he'd be like hang on one second and he'd pull out the spreadsheet oh hell he'd be no. like um he's like i'm supposed to do something else i'm like sam i'm not gonna fucking sit here and watch you flip through your spreadsheet that you could do anyway it was like stapled together and he's like licking his finger trying to find the right page that's I'm like come had, on dude. Are you saying he had like a spreadsheet of like responses yeah. to plays Comments. no no like like okay so he's played in sectors for a long time and he'd be like okay centipede lived i have foreign in my graveyard and i have dragonfly in my hand let me figure out the combo i'm like yo <laughs> That's that's fire. My Summon man was on one. Dragonfly. What's funny God. about that, Kenny, is that there's a point in Yu-Gi-Oh where that becomes a common thing, like spreadsheets. Yeah, he would he would be really good now. He would yes, be really good man. now because he would work at mastering the combos. Yeah, everything now I'll, is is how well you can execute combos and how well you can play into hand traps and what right. the, like you need to be able to pivot after a hand trap. It's a skill. Like that is an actual yeah. skill. It's like, okay, I have to play around Ash Blossom. He doesn't have Ash. He would Ash me here. Okay, now I have to play around so-and-so. Now right. it's Nibiru. Yep. Now it's... So it's just... It's it's, an evol- it's ever, like, ever-evolving combo strings. It's like, I just can't do it. I just I just can't do it. I'm too oh. old, Frazier. I'm too old. I, I wanted to say real quick to the... Something you were saying at the start of, like, this little segment was how, like, you were saying that some people are good right away and, like, it takes you time. You gotta, like, grind it out and figure it out and shit like that. 
it's something that's cool and interesting in a lot of games where some people are really good really quick at a new game or a new format, and then they fizzle. Obviously, yeah. some some people are really good. As soon as it starts, they're like the first one to understand it, yeah. and they'll win something. But then they fizzle, and as the format or the game or whatever extends in its life, there's the other people that kind of grow and learn, and then they become the best. And the person that was the best at the start kind of just fizzles and like doesn't keep up or whatever, whatever the case may be. And it's interesting to see those different dynamics of people. Like there are people that I've seen, like a game comes out and they are just the best in the room. No one's better than them. But then like a year later, they don't really do anything in that game Mm -hmm. anymore. They don't really have results or anything like that. I don't play chess. I don't know anything about chess. I barely know how the pieces move, but I was watching, I was listening to a Hikaru interview and he's like, when I was a kid, my brother was like the best player at his age group in the world. And he, he was like, uh, really young like 12 and under he's like literally the best in the world and my brother's like or he see he said my brother never put any effort into chess he was just that much better than everybody but for hikaru who is now like one of the best players was like i was not like that i got my ass beat all the time because my brother was better than me but Mm -hmm. i worked way harder and like you it's such a stupid old adage but it's so true you learn so much from losing you lose And you bring yourself to realize what just happened. When you win, it's like, oh, sick, I won. Yep. But when you yep. lose, it's like, why did I lose? Yep. And then you just, that is how you, you know, that is how you grind. That's how you get better. That's, I, go ahead, Kenny. I was going to say something to make, something to become a great player or a great whatever and whatever you're doing is like analyzing your losses. And I think the key to becoming the best, like if you talk to probably a lot of the best players, is they know how to also analyze their wins. Like, because I do think there's so much more to learn on a loss, because when you lose, you understand there's something to learn because you lost. A lot of people win and they go, I won. There's nothing to go back and analyze. But I right. if you look and you talk to or listen to interviews of a lot of like the best at a thing, they look back at the games that they won and they still even analyze that and see how they could have lost. Like I know there's this really funny like Kobe Bryant clip where he's up, they're up like 2-0 in the finals. And he's like pissed in the interview and he's like getting interviewed. And the guy's like, like, why aren't you happy? I thought you'd be happier. Like you guys are up 2-0. And Kobe Stoneface is like, is the job finished? Yeah. He's the like, job, we're not done yet. The job's not done. Like yeah, he's, he's nice. just, he's, like, nice. he's like, just like shrugged. Job's not done. Like, Stone cold he's, killer. He's up 2-0. Most people would be like feeling good. He's just like, job's not done. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's that shit that it takes to be the best. I agree. I agree with both of those things. Like I learned, obviously, and this is for everyone, everyone learns more from losing, but I do learn from wins too. And it's the reason why for Edison format, which is the only format I play now, the view replay button is my favorite button now. That thing's insane. It's my favorite button. Because what the I The only is, reason I go back and see that is if like I want to see if my opponent fucking ripped it on me. That's like so I go back watch. win or lose because I mainly do it for uh, the video. See, like the master and the pupil, we do yeah, that the content. Too. Yeah, I do it for the content, but I also do it for my sanity too because I like to know if I should have won or lost a game as well. So I go back and kind of replay it if he played it differently in my mind. Mm-hmm. And when I see things like, oh shit, he actually had oppression. He just didn't set it. I'm like we we just lose. We we actually just lost. Like no no question. I would have mm-hmm. special cyber dragon. He would have oppression, and that would have actually been the game. Like stuff like that. You just see things like oh, if he just did this, this was this was fucking game. Like I yeah, your opponent, your opponent making mistakes is just part of any game. Yes, and like that's what people don't understand. They're like oh, you only won because your opponent fucked up. Okay, 
Like, yeah, like am I going to play versus like, like the best player of all time every round? That's yeah. I tell people that all the time too. Like, like mistakes are part of it. Like you're going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Absolutely, like, oh, it's just, I it's literally just misplayed human nature. We've 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 misplayed Master and the People. There's an episode where we play. This is the second time we play Black Wings. So this is on our Patreon. Um, second time we play Black Wings. I got so frustrated because a guy mind crushed us, and it was the best mind crush ever. But like, and at first Stango, like Kenny's cousin, he thought that the guy like outplayed us or like did something really good. And I explained to him after the match was over, I said, he did not outplay us. I want you to be, I want you to, I want to be clear here. We opened up whirlwind Shura and he had no fucking choice, but to do exactly what he did. Like if you're facing down one of the best openings in the entire format, it puts you into survival mode. And I said, the situation played out for him literally perfectly, but not because he's skillful. It's literally what he had to do or else he dies. It is, it is literally nothing. Like I said, if you were in the same situation, you would have done the exact same thing because you didn't have a choice because I put you in such a shitty situation. So I was explaining to him that. And like when we watched a replay and stuff like that, uh, there was a game where we played against the guy and we get him to a point where we have whirlwind and he just attacked us for a lot. It's like his last stand. So his field is Goyo guardian, Bora and what? Oh, magical Android. But he's he, made his play. He he's he's pushed. He has no he has no cards in hand. He's top deck. He has no his cards, pants are down. Yeah. He has no cards in hand. He has one back row, right? He's no cards in hand, he has one back row. He's, he has Goyo, Magical Android, Bora. Our field is Whirlwind, and we have Heavy Storm in hand with Soroko, Blizzard, uh, Bora, and Gale. Our hand is fucking cracked, right? We lose this game because I was so mad after the mind crush. Right. The mind crush like really, really, really tilted me. It tilted me so bad. And this is something else that I always stress is like mind, like proper mindset. Normally, I usually don't let my mindset deteriorate, but it it deteriorated this day. Like I'm I just assuming you did not heavy and you got cooked because nope, of it. I heavied. What I did after heavy was just completely wrong. So I should have gone heavy, summon Soroko, summon Gale, uh, half half your half your guy. So half your android, kill your android, kill your Bora, make dark and send your Goyo Guardian. You are now top decking. Mm-hmm. I have Blizzard next turn for follow up. Game is fucking over. Instead, yeah, lit. instead, I did some like really rash play where I just said some pump nonsense. I did. I went summon everything, pump, <laughs> kill Goyo, set. I believe it was set set D prison. He goes draw Gale. And we were so low that we couldn't survive because Gale's going oh, to Oh, you only half, had one D prison, yeah. Gale's going to half a guy, and then Gale's going to, like, the other guys, go, like, Android and Bora are still in the field. Yeah. And no matter which one he attacks, with the Gale half, we're dead. And so we yeah. end up losing the game that was 100% unlosable if I just play correctly. And I, you know, I had to reassess, like, that was a, that wasn't even just a misplay. It was also just poor mindset. Like, I just wanted to rush the game to be over because I was like, well, we still win anyway. We have so much over this guy. He's top decking. And it was like, well, you didn't consider his outs. Like he could still draw things that will kill you. Like brain control also was game. Like the one deep prison is not stopping from like brain control is going to kill you too. So it, it was just a situation where like we going all the way back into some of this episode is almost three hours, but going all the way back, like Edison format, you can just continuously learn from everything and learn, learning from mm-hmm. your losses. Like I learned a lot from that loss. It's like, I need to, remain calm i have to get back to like the old me that's like very stoic very calm in every situation regardless of how bad the situation is or don't get cocky because that's what really happened i was like i still win 
Like I still have my hand is still cracked out of this world. Like I still win the game. And uh also just to correct the story, because I'm realizing I did not have Bora. So my hand is Sirocco Gale Blizzard Heavy Storm. I'm pretty sure is what mm-hmm. it was. Um but yeah, you just you just clear all three of his monsters. He's top decking, and you said D Prison. What the fuck is like he draws? So he, he goes draw Gale, half dark end, attack, D Prison. Do attack, D Prison, yeah. Yep, summon blizzard kill you. Game's over. Handshake. Yeah. Uh it was very simple. But like in that moment, I was so heated and so annoyed. And then Stango was also talking and he was like, oh, that was so good. Like he really got us. And I'm just like, oh my God. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. So it, yeah, but you, you can learn a lot. Like, and, and then even in the games that we win, I still, you know, view replay and I'm like, oh, okay, we won, but we shouldn't have. But like Scott said, I can only play what's in front of me. Like the guy who Goyo guardian, my mystic tomato, like I can only play what's in front of me. Like that's the decision he made. I, yeah. Like, Hey, I, I can't play for me and you like, I yeah. mean, like I that's can, boring i can, I can only like, do just, so much that's also one of the best feelings when you're like i am fucking cooked all he does is do oh <laughs> wait a wait a second here hold on he's just fucking punted nicely now i'm gonna have a shot he's <laughs> yeah. throwing i love it uh, honestly or like when you're in discord and you're sharing your screen and like your opponent makes a play and somebody else in the discord is like your opponent is ass your opponent is yes, ass they start oh losing like, it uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, what is going on what is going on i'm like calm down calm down this is just what's meant to be he fucked up yep he just makes brio pitch his hand and kills you and he doesn't even see it <laughs> yeah oh i love it that is that is a we on this podcast honestly haven't talked enough about that feeling but that is that is one of the most underrated feelings in Yu-Gi-Oh is Seeing game on the other side of the field and it not happening, like yeah, you, like you see it. Think about how many times you've done that, right? Like you, you've like this is why this is why you get so much better now. Where like like let's say back in the day where there was no dueling book, there was no Discord, you can't share your screen. You make a play, right? Yep. And then if nobody was there to say, hey, you could have done this and this, you never would have known. Yes. That you had a better play. Never. It's lost in the abyss. And you're just like, damn, I I, I lost because of X reason, X, yep. Y, and Z. No, you lost because you fucked up. That happens all the fucking time. It does. And now it, happens you, now it gets you know. caught more. It gets yes. caught way more. Yeah, that's true. Information. Information is made. And this is something that we do talk about often. The average player now is better than the average player from oh, like God, 05, yes. right? Like 05 average, players. Like if, if you pay, if you take me and you stick me back in 05, I'm the greatest player you've ever seen. You're the greatest player of all time. It's you, not even close. You would literally ruin you you would be considered I just roll everybody. Every, you win every tournament. You win every You always season. have the best deck. You always have the best <laughs> you deck. You win every tournament. Deck. You get you the ban list is going to be way different. You're also rich. You're you also can just buy rich. out so many cards that are just cheeks now, but yep. later little did you know. <laughs> you you buy out everything, you literally ruin the game. The ban list, you change the ban like the, <laughs> yeah. your first format, you change the ban list. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what's fucked up? That <laughs> I've I've had the same thought, right? But what you're saying is so true, but then because you change history, if you're not actually the yes. the Billy Breaks yes. or the or the Jeff Jones or the, you will or just the uh, Patrick again. Hogan's, they come because this is true like in melee, right? I've had this argument with people where it's like, if I go back in time, I'm the best player in the world. I'm terrible at melee. Yeah, if I go yeah. back in time, though, I'm the best player in the world. However, that's only for like two or three tournaments. Because yeah, then the gonna, shows up. They're going to like, see what I'm nice. doing. Yeah, they're going to see what I'm doing. And then the people <laughs> that are actually better than me are going to adapt and then grow. And so like in Yu-Gi-Oh, when you change the ban list and then you awaken the world, like how Patrick Hoban changed the world of how people play. When you change the world, the Patrick Hoban and the Billy Breaks 
are now going to, their brain is now shifting. They're going to use gonna you. start stomping you again. Yeah. I never thought you of that way. You get to be way. the best in the world for a couple, for like a couple tournaments, you get to be the hey, best I'll take in the world. it. I'll take it. Kenny and I actually, actually talked about this. Go ahead. I, w- I wanted to ask you this, Freezer, because you're, you're showing Stango how to play, right? Yep. Is it, is, can you tell that because he is good at melee, he's grasping onto Yu-Gi-Oh better? No, it's the exact opposite. Really? It's, it's actually such an interesting concept. I would like to have Stango on the podcast again to discuss how things have been going with his learning process. So melee takes, I'm, look, this is not actual scientific, but I'm going to use, I'm going to speak in scientific terms for a second here to describe what I'm saying. Just follow what I'm saying. Stango's brain for melee uses one side. I think that the side of your brain you use for Yu-Gi-Oh and things that are more cerebral like that is the other side of your brain, right? So that's not a scientific fact, but that's just, I'm just going to use this argument. So let's say he uses the left side of his brain for melee. Melee requires hand-eye coordination, something you do not need in Yu-Gi-Oh at all. It requires hand-eye coordination, muscle memory, right? Something you also don't need in Yu-Gi-Oh at all. Uh, And it requires instinct, which you could argue instinct is in both games. It is for sure, right? Like reads are essentially instinct. But the instinct in Melee is a lot different. In Melee, when Stengel's playing an opponent in Melee, he's because he's one of the best Melee players ever. He's top 32 Mango players in the world, right? So like, he's that's absurd. For Melee, that is fucking insane. So Stengel's brain, when he's playing Melee, because of how fast Melee is, it's such a fast fucking game. Like, it is one of the fastest fighting games of all time. It is insane, the decision-making and the button presses that the top, like, Mango, the things that his fingers can do in a short... The frames that are happening that he's in, like, the... I genuinely think that people like Mango and Mewtwo King and those guys, the, the Five Gods and, like, Leffin and all... They can see the frames of the game. Like, because it doesn't make sense otherwise if they couldn't when you watch what they do in certain situations. It's like, holy shit. There was a one frame opportunity for this to happen and you hit it five, you hit a one frame and five times in a row. Like five times in a row, you hit a one frame thing and you're not mashing. Like they're actually playing, but you know what they're actually doing? It's playing off of instinct. They're playing, it's Mm -hmm. speed. It's so fast that they're actually not thinking, right? Like they're not thinking. Now this brings me to my point. In Yu-Gi-Oh, it's a game like chess. It is a game where you need to literally think about what you want to do and you can do everything or nothing. So what happens to Stango is because he's so good at melee, it actually harms him in Yu-Gi-Oh! because he often speeds up too much and he starts making plays that he didn't think about. And it, it literally grinds my gears. I get so angry. Like literally, I've raged before because of how fast he'll do something. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, why did you do that? <laughs> like, that was so bad. I was like, that's so fucking bad. Like, if you look at your hand, you should have done this. It's, it's And to me, I'm like, it's so obvious. You need to slow down. You're playing too fast. He gets into these modes where he's no longer thinking, and I can tell. And I get on him about it all the time. I'm like, you're not thinking. You're literally not thinking. You're playing so fast. But it's because of how great he is as something else that his brain is literally trained to play in a very quick and snappy way. Like in Melee, you yeah, don't have instinct, boom. you don't have time to sit there and think about what Fox is going to do. You just it's like have always to, coming at me. Holy. You have to feel it. You just gotta fucking feel it. And he feels it in that game. It's like a part of him. He breathes it. But in Yu-Gi-Oh!, I'm like, bro, there's a clock. And the clock is 40 minutes. You have time. Slow down. Look at your whole opening hand. What is the best play here? Think about yeah, it. Yeah, the re- the reason I ask you is because there's some people that just don't have it in anything. Like yep. they'll never be oh, they'll I'm, never be trust me, top no. 
in anything. He has reached the top, not the top, top, top. You know what I mean? But right. he has yeah. but he's reached, reached the, the yeah. theoretical he's been, top of yes, the mountain. He's been, he's been very, 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 very close to the mountaintop. So top that's why I'm asking, like, if you find somebody that has it, they have it in something else. Uh, I feel like that would transition yeah, it, it to does, another thing. It does not in his case. So it's you actually what, funny. You know what I'll say, though? Is there is a piece of it, the piece of it that transition is, regardless of how good or what you have, like you guys said earlier, there's a level of work ethic, like the guy that has spreadsheets, yep. the level of work ethic required to get there, no matter how talented you are. Right, you and have to sit there and grind and grind yes. and grind that, if you want to be the best in Melee. Yep. Something you'll know, something you may, like a person may or may not know about Stango is like Fraser is saying, like, Whatever it may be that makes him really bad in aspects of Yu-Gi-Oh, for the last fucking three years, he, like, not three years, but however many years it's been, he, like, grinds the game and plays it so fucking much and, like, wants to learn, and he's constantly PMing Frazier and, like, yep. tagging Frazier. So, like, that's the part that I think, you know, helps make him even better and will help make him better than other people is, like, the fact that he keeps trying. Even though, like, ethic. he sucks and he gets yelled at and Frazier calls him an idiot. Yep. Like, for some people, you have, this, to, you have morning, to do that. This morning, like you have people, to do that. They're like, all right, I'm grow. done. Like Fraser's fucking annoying. Like I'm, and like they're, they're, they'll be done with it. But then, like for him, he's like, he'll fucking cry about it, and then he'll he'll take it and try to get better. Stango yeah, has. Like, li- Go ahead, Scott. Well, I was gonna say, like, there, there, like when when I was talking about earlier, when Billy would yell at me, there's people that would like hide in a corner and be like, oh, he says I'm ass. Yep. And then there's people that are like, <laughs> like me, who are like, oh my god, I'm fucking terrible. Yep. How did I the fuck did I not see that? Oh my god. And it's like, who are you to argue with? Somebody yep. who is way better than you. Yes. Like way better. You just have to sit there and take, take it. So yeah. the, and I, I'm glad Kenny brought this up because I wasn't going to say this myself, but Kenny's right. Stango has a really crazy work ethic. So let's be clear. Stango is ass. Like in Yu-Gi-Oh, Stango is basically what we would consider a fish or a buy. But let's be clear. He's only been playing the game for two years. Going yeah. on. Th- it'll be three next year, but he's been playing the game for like two years solidly two years in right so where he's at in a two-year time span is pretty good but he's also and this is go back to the other thing luck he happens to be in a discord group with one of the best players who ever played Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah like yeah. that is helping to accelerate a lot of the bad shit that people who don't have anyone around them who's good at the game he's so like you don't have to go through that you don't have to think that crystal beasts are playable because why i'm not going to fucking <laughs> yeah. i'm not going to let you play crystal beasts right kenny i'm not yeah. going i'm not friends going don't to let friends play crystal beasts. i literally <laughs> the second he was like oh this deck looks really cool i just was reading all the cards it's not playable i would be like oh really yeah well that deck's fucking terrible and you are never playing that it, is so move that on to the next literally one. me i'm very mean about it but the good thing about him and i'm glad again glad kenny brought this up stango has really thick skin like I have said some really harsh things to him <laughs> and it's even gotten to the point where like he's teared up, he's fucking raged and like been super sad. But what he does not do is quit mm-hmm. that fucking man, no matter how bad I beat him down and say the craziest, wildest, most condescending shit to him. He gets back up the next day. And he is just grinding DB again and sending me replays and, and looking for my approval and my validation and seeing, tell me if I did something wrong. Like, I think I played really well this set. And here my ass goes, because I'm still such an asshole. I'm like, yeah, you won the match, but you also Appreciate fucked up here. 
So well, even though you won, your opponent was trash and he should have beaten you <laughs> because you fucked up. But yes, you did win the match. Like I'm still that guy because I'm such a harsh teacher. I actually tell people I've been in a relationship with a couple Yu-Gi-Oh players in my life. And uh, one of the things that happens now, this is not a common thing because there are not many girls who play Yu-Gi-Oh, but there are a lot. Most most of the Yu-Gi-Oh players are guys and I happen to be into guys. So it's more common for this situation to happen. But when I was with Yu-Gi-Oh players, one of the things that would happen is they would want to learn from me and I would tell them this is not going to be good for our relationship. I can't turn off how competitive no of a person. I could not do that shit either. I can't turn it off. I will not differentiate you from anyone else that I'm teaching. I can't do it. So the whole part where like we're in a relationship and I love you and I'm supposed to like coddle you and 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 take care of your feelings and manage your emotions and your feelings. That shit's I, out the window if you I misplay. Literally don't <laughs> I don't have it, Scott. I just I, and, and this is this is a shortcoming that I know about myself. I know how cutthroat and how competitive I am as a person. I literally can't turn it off and I don't even try anymore. I used to try to fight against it and change who I was fundamentally. And I realized it's a part of my DNA. I cannot change it. I am too competitive. When you mess up, I'm going to get angry. I don't care that you're my boyfriend. I'm going to be mad. Okay. And that is going to literally ruin our relationship outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! And I've had it happen before. So when it comes up, like let's say I was dating someone now, if it comes up, I'll tell them I'm not doing it. I don't care how much you bet. Because they don't know because they're innocent. They're just like, oh, yeah, you're, such a, you're such a good player. Please teach me. Please teach me. And then they get mad like, oh, you won't teach me. That's so fucked up. Like you, you love me and you won't even show me how to. You don't want you don't want me to be better than you. And then it's like all of this gaslighting oh, shit. It goes in. A, it goes in a hole. I've had some. I'm old. I've had some experiences that are so crazy. And it's like, damn, my relationship is doomed if I teach you. And this relationship is doomed if I don't teach you. Because yeah. you think that I'm not. You're in a pickle. Yes, I'm going to pick. Well, you think that I'm yeah. not teaching you because... Can I ask a question? Do you think anybody that is dating... Do, have, do you think anybody dated you or tried to get... I mean, I'm sure people try to get close to you for the sole purpose of you teaching them? Yes. Or tried to date you for the I've, sole purpose I've of you teaching least, them? I've had some fan relationships that I should not have done. Like people who yeah. were absolutely obsessed with me. This is the peak of me being a Yu-Gi-Oh player. I'm on ARG. Same team with Billy Brake, Jeff Jones, fucking Ryan Spicer, Alex Van San Cordero, like all these people, right? We're all on a banner. We have a fucking banner. We got tokens made. We're topping every tournament. Like everything is going great. Life is great. One of the best players in the world. In fact, top 10 literally by the champ trade thing. Everything is great, right? So I go to events. I'm signing cards, kissing babies, the whole nine, right? <laughs> Not literally, but you get the idea. <laughs> So everything is going great. And I have some people who have come up to me and they have been so infatuated with me as a fan of me from Yu-Gi-Oh! And then at some point they come on to me, but then I realize that the intention was like, sure, you could like me physically attract or whatever, but what your real goal was is you wanted to be a better player. And I'll yeah. notice that most of our conversations, because whereas people who are infatuated me from Yu-Gi-Oh! And like they like who I am in Yu-Gi-Oh! And they want to learn from me. I realized that the relationship was really them trying to, for lack of a better word, use me for the Yu-Gi-Oh! stuff. Use me for like, they want to be close to a top player. They want to be in a conversation. They want to be at the dinners. You know how it is. It's it's such yeah. a, 
it's such an egotistical community in general and it's no fault of ours like it's just fun it's it's how it is like people want to be at the fogo de Childs when we used to do that right like people want to be at the table where you have like 10 rings at the table and all that people love that shit so some people will literally get close to you groups so yes literally a groupie. <laughs> you, that's there you, you go youpies. You literally, literally a youpie they'll get close to you for that reason and i'll realize it after a while because at, you know at first i start off not thinking anything about it. i'm like oh you you just like me but then I'm realizing like every conversation somehow leads into like, show me this or let's play some Yu-Gi-Oh. And while I love Yu-Gi-Oh, I don't like it as a job. Like I, yeah. I actually, you, I'm so competitive at it that I get a, I'm kind of annoyed when I'm dueling. Like I want to beat my opponent so bad that every time they stop me from winning the game immediately, <laughs> I'm annoyed that every mirror force and deep prison that gets flipped because it's slowing me down from winning the game. So while they're like, let's play, I don't like playing for fun. I don't like playing for cat like casual. If you walk up to me at locals, even in 2022, if you walk up to me at locals, you're like, Hey, Fred, you want to, you want to play a quick game? Most people know I decline. If we're not playing for anything, I don't just like to play people. I like to play for two reasons for win to, to win, like to win the game, to win a tournament or to test. That's it. Yeah. Like I'll sit down with Silverman. I'll sit down with McCabe and we will literally run before YCS a hundred games, not real games. We'll play with our hands face up, but we'll run a hundred games just a test and i love doing that and i love going to a ycs and fucking topping and all that shit i love i love it right but like what i do not like is me just playing to teach you and i don't really i can't gain anything from you you're a fucking fish you're a new player like you don't know anything but you're you want to learn from me and so yes to answer your question yes i've definitely had one at least one relationship that i can recall uh, where a guy has literally gotten close to me and essentially the whole goal for him was to be popular in Yu-Gi-Oh! and also to learn from somebody who was really, really good at the game. And obviously the relationship deteriorated once I realized like... What the fuck was going on? Yeah, like this isn't actually what I... Like I'm not getting... I didn't come... Like we're not together in my head so that I can teach you Yu-Gi-Oh! I like you because I like you, but you like me because of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like that is yeah. really the overarching thing here. Um, and that shit sucks. Like that definitely fucking sucks when it happens. But yes. I want to, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to no, no, yeah. finish that point. But like, like going all the way back to Stango and just like his mindset, his mindset is very, very good for how rough this game is and how to put it bluntly, how toxic the community can be. Um, he, he's, he has the iron skin that you need. And I think maybe he got that from, from melee, but like he has the iron skin that I think is necessary to take harsh criticism being mm -hmm. told that you are shit. You are worse than shit. He <laughs> That's a big part of it. He has that iron skin that you literally need to have. So whether he has the talent or though anything else, he has the hard work ethic and he has the skin and it's still yet to be determined if he will actually produce greatness because at some point you still do have to have it, right? Like you said, some people will just never, ever be good. Like they, there's just, some people just never be good. And the yeah. jury is still, it's still so early in his Yu-Gi-Oh life. The jury is still out on whether or not like he will produce and become insane or not. But like at the very least, he refuses fucking refuses to quit. No matter what I say, no matter how bad of a day he's having in Yu-Gi-Oh, he refuses to give up, and that's valuable. I'll say, I'll say on that note, he's. It's funny because he's similar to some guys you guys mentioned, like Furman, where he was like the youngest and kind of the butt of a joke. He was the one that always got made fun of. Like Stango, growing up, like we were we were older than him, so we were just better than him because we're older than him, mm -hmm. and so we all made fun of him. And then eventually, 
he ended up meeting people that were better than us at Melee, and he would play with them all the time, and they would destroy him, send him home crying, make fun of him, call him a bitch, all this stuff. <laughs> Damn! And just, like, make and like, but he'd always go back and play them again. And then, like, one day he'd come back and plays us, and he destroys just all destroys of us. Destroys like, you, yeah. Absolutely destroys us. And he goes back, and he still loses to these guys. But then eventually he beats them, and then he plays with, like, super names like Cactuar and Zoo and um and Velocity, who Velocity's not as known outside of the tri-state area, but he plays with all these people. He ends up playing with Zero in, like, PM and stuff like that, and everybody, like, a lot of people know Zero name. He plays with all these people. He used to play with Wizrobe, who is, like, the top, one of the top melee players in the world, before anybody knew who Wizrobe's name was. So he plays with all these people, and he loses to all of them, and he gets better and better and better until he's the absolute best player and like, the Philadelphia area, the tri-state area, I mean, to where, like, people people fear him. And then he's also insanely good at shooting games, and, like, but that all came from people calling him a bitch, shitting on him, bullying him, and him just becoming better than all of those people. So he knew Wizrobe before Wizrobe was Wizrobe, right? Yes. He used to play, him and Wizrobe used to play PM and, and uh, Smash 64 online, like, all fucking day, hang out in calls, and, and just, like, that's what I was Hang saying out. about like me with the Silverman and McCabe things. Like they were not Silverman and McCabe, the names that people know them for now. Like they yeah. were not at the time they weren't that, but they, but they were always insane. Right. Like just cause mm-hmm. you haven't topped the YCS, just cause you haven't won a YCS doesn't mean that you're not actually cracked at the game. Cause yep. there are people who never got to travel. There's people who like, they have a bad beat at their tournament, stuff like that. But like some people are just cracked out of their mind and it just takes time. And so eventually they do become, but like I was around them from the very beginning. So it's like, yeah, being around Wizro before he was Wizro, being around Mango and all of those guys before they were like, that's insanely lucky, right? Just you're just around. Yeah, it's just luck. Immense talent, just immense, immense talent. But uh, yeah, I, I really like this discussion too on just a newer player and how like the gene, something like we talked about the immense talent. Right, so bullying is good. Yes, bullying is good. Bullying that's how I is got good. Great. If you can't tell by the many times on this podcast that we actually have said that we've bullied people in group chats and stuff like that, and they've become literally the absolute best. The reason why you're shit at the game, if you're listening to this, is because you haven't been bullied enough. Okay? It's, 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 it's really so exactly like my, the group that I hang out with the most, they're like my brothers, Team Legacy. You know, you know some of them, Frazier. You know, like Adrian, Javi, Oscar. Yep. yep. Um, it was just constant your ass, like constant, <laughs> constant shit talk, constant shit talk. At the end of the day, like everybody knows it's all love though. Like when I lost to Patrick, yes. like they were there, they were all behind me, they're patting me on the back. It's like, hey, good job, bro. Like at the end of the day, it's all love, but in the moment you're just oh. you want to bring the best out of like, you know, everybody that you know, you want to bring the best out of them. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, because this is another thing too, is like men are just like that. Like it's a thing in us where we can just handle a a lot of us anyway, obviously, you know, this is a generalization generalization. So don't take it super literally, but in general, really competitive men are thick skinned. Like we, we hate losing and we can take really harsh critiques. For example, I remember in like 2020 or 2021, some locker room talks leaked from a college. uh, It was a coach in college, I believe is the way he was talking to the players, right? He was fucking cursing Going them. the fuck in on their oh, lives, probably. He was destroying, I mean, saying everything. Like, he was going in on them. And the tapes leaked. 
And social media got a, a taste of it, and they were like, "This is terrible. No one should ever." Yeah, the snowflakes. And every actual athlete was in the comments like, "Calm the fuck down, you snowflakes." This is yeah. how every single coach I've ever had. It's clear that you guys have never played a yeah. single fucking sport in your life. This is how every single coach in the world talks to their team not a single coach in the world is exempt from talking exactly like they're like actually he was kind of nice to them like all the athletes came to the defense like, <laughs> yeah. we are not I've heard worse we are not canceling this guy because that's the like that's the culture we live in everyone's so fucking sensitive yeah. now so even people could even be offended like oh you're saying that men can handle it but like are you saying that other people can't handle it like that's not the fucking point okay the point is like men can just handle it period like we can just take it and we're used to taking it in our in competitive environments men just take harsh critiques that's just what it is harsh criticism is a part of being a competitive man and, I, and stango has it like he's just he's a very very competitive man and i and i love that out of him and it it's the only thing that keeps our relationship going because there's been plenty of times where i wanted to quit on him there's been plenty of times where i was like after today i'm done with this kid like he's shit i'm done he's not learning I'm wasting my time. Stango. I'm talking to a wall. Yeah, oh, like don't. And this is this is the PG thirteen version of it. Like this is the mm. this is the absolute PG thirteen version of what I'm saying. But like I've gone in on him so bad. You know, be days when I'm like I'm quitting. I'm quitting on this. I'm done with this. This is the worst student I've ever had in my life. It's like talking to a wall. And the next thing you know, he'll still keep sending me replays like a fucking feeble mouse, like coming up, coming up to me and being like. Can you please can you please review this? Please let me know if I didn't. I'm sorry about yesterday. Can you please review this? And next thing, here's my sucker ass being like, you know what? God damn it. I can't uh, fine. I can't give up on you yet. Like there's still, and then I'll see, I'll in a replay, I'll see a spark of greatness. I'll see a fucking, and that's all it takes for me to be sucker back in is I'll see a spark of greatness. And I'm like, that was actually real. Like he'll do something that I literally would have done play for play, but it wasn't obvious. Right. Cause I don't care if you go whirlwind Shura. Like you didn't, you're going to yeah, get a yeah, fucking yeah. cookie for that. But like he'll do something. I'm like, holy shit. That was the exact play I was thinking. But as I was watching this replay, I said, there's no way he sees it. There's no way he's going to see this. And then he'll do it. I'm like, holy shit. That's amazing. Like that's yeah, it's funny. Like I was playing, I was playing Edison a couple days ago and I made a play and I thought the play was fine. And Jesse Samick was in the call. I know you. I know you know Jesse Stamick. Jesse Stamick was like, "Oh, Jesse's insane. Oh, I, I love him." Jesse's like, "I I would have done this. I would have done this, and probably done that instead of that." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't even see that play." Yep. And then he ODs on me. He goes, "I'm gonna be honest. I didn't see your play. Like in a oh, bad way." Shit. I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> oh like, shit! You just OD oh, on me." Oh shit! Oh my god! I'm gonna be like, real with you. <laughs> oh shit! This is the first time I heard that one before. I'm like, damn, that's oh, insane. <laughs> oh, oh my god, yo, amazing. Jesse, Jesse's goaded. Jesse has two YCS wins. Well, one's SJC, but two YCS wins and an ARG win. He's very, very good. And also, when it I would never about, happen, but you got to get him on the pod. It would never happen. He would never do it. But I, you got to try. Jesse literally lives with Steve. Like he literally. I, <laughs> I think I if I if I strap him to a chair in, in Steve's basement. Which he's already there anyway. If I strap him to a, the best. If I tie him down to a chair and put a microphone in front of his face that he cannot move with any part of his body, I could perhaps get him on the podcast. Because he's he's won in two eras. Not many people have won in multiple eras. Yeah, Hansel, the two-time national champion, the only two-time national champion, by the way, for the United yes. States. Uh, he's Bergenstein won in, alert. 
yeah, he's won in two different eras, which is crazy. He won in 2011, and then he won literally 11 years later on the same day. That shit is fairy tale, by the way. That shit is like super fake fairy tale that this man won on the same day, 11 years apart, the same tournament, which is so many crazy. Like the the, it's just a crazy thing. That is just the craziest shit. Hansel's win this year was insane to me. But yeah, Jesse. Jesse has won in two different eras. He's one of the hardest opponents I've ever had, too. When I think about it, because I always say, and I still think this is true, but Nazar, I think, is my hardest opponent I've ever played in Yu-Gi-Oh! I've played Billy many times. I've played Jeff many times. I've played Patrick many times. I've played a lot of the greats many, many times. Nazar is like, I don't know. I still, to this day, can't quite put my finger on it, but like, if I had to attribute it to something that I think off the top of my head, it's very hard to read him is one. I'm not used to that. I'm used to being able to read good people because I'm I just if you're used to playing against good people, you go accustomed to reading good people. But Nazar somehow and maybe and, and this is going to be like slight, slightly shady, but I actually don't. And I'm not intending it to be this way. I think it's because every time I've played Nazar in the past, I didn't perceive him as a good player. And so I normally do have a harder time reading bad people because yeah. you get, you get where I'm going bad, mm-hmm. bad. They people. don't even know what they're going to do next. Exactly. How the fuck are you supposed to know? And so when I, when I look at the guy in front of me with his hat on, Jesse backwards, said, I didn't see your play. Yeah. Basically. That, <laughs> literally so crazy. When I, when I, when I sit in front of Nazar and he has his hat on backwards, mind you, this is, this is YCS champion Nazar at this point, right? So we're me and him played in top eight of Dallas and this is his second win. And we both said when we sat down, whoever wins this tournament wins the whole YCS, right? So when I sit down, even after this guy has won a YCS already, like, so me and him, we both have our YCS win. And he was the guy who won right after me. Like, I won Atlanta, and then he immediately won Dallas the next year, first YCS of the year. He wins the event. So, like, we have this really weird history where we played each other before YCS Atlanta in YCS Philly, the one that McCabe got third at. Me and Nazar played each other, never played each other before, never seen each other before. We played each other in that tournament, a Lightsworn mirror match, right? And then we go on to win the next two YCSs, being zero tops. Neither one of us have a single top to our name. And then we play each other at a YCS, scrub out. The next two YCSs, we win them. That's crazy. It's fucking mind, mind blown. Like mind equals blown, bro. So anyways, because we had this like weird history and just because of all the shit talking that Nazar used to get, Back in 2011 when he won, like, oh, some idiot won with uh, Six Samurais, like, just a lot of haters, right? Like, because at the time, I bought into stuff like that because that was just a hive mind mm-hmm. of Yu-Gi-Oh! If it's not Billy or Jeff winning every tournament back then, you were trash. Like, if you were a, if you were a guy that topped and won on your first, you know, top, people just assumed that you got lucky and that what you did, everybody who's ever won got lucky, but people just assumed yeah. that they attributed the entire tournament to luck. Like, the entire thing. They just discredited everything that you did is all luck so obviously jumping on that bandwagon my brain i I really do believe this and like i said this is slightly shady but i believe that when i would sit in front of nazar i would look at him the way the community at home the way the fucking fish looked at him as though you're not actually good so it made it very hard to read him because i'm like he's probably doing something really bad because he, in my head, he's bad. In reality, he's actually not bad, and I should be treating him the same way I would treat Silverman or McCabe. Like, I should be treating him the exact same way, because he's actually on a crazy level. Like, I, honestly, a lot of people still don't notice, even after Nazar's been on his podcast and everything, Nazar is 
actually brilliant at Yu-Gi-Oh. Like he's yeah, actually he, he, he's nice. He's he nice. Like his technical play, he's actually no joke brilliant at the game, but you can't tell reading a book by its cover. You literally can't tell. And yeah, so he's one of the hardest people I've ever played. I say all of this to say though, Jesse, I think, is my second hardest opponent I've ever played in the game. Jesse's Jesse is nice. I have the same exact problem with Jesse. It's because like I know him outside of the game. His mind, the way Jesse thinks outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! is so fucking <laughs> backward. I'm I don't know. I'm trying to use the nicest word possible. I'm just saying backwards. The way Jesse thinks outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! is just so backwards that I can't perceive the idea of him being a good player. Like I my mind to this day, I still can't fathom how he could play the game so well because he's so good at it. But in my head, I'm like, you are so fucking dumb. Like you are so goddamn dumb. How are you one of the best Yu-Gi-Oh players? Like that doesn't make sense, but he's he's cracked. He's fucking cracked. And when you brought him up, it just made me it reminded me of like all of this stuff. And this is how long-winded I am. This podcast is over three hours. It's almost our longest episode ever. This has been a long one. <laughs> it's been a long one. Um, geez, we, we have so much to talk about, Scott. I think it's better if we just table it for another episode where we have you on because we didn't even get to the time rule. Uh, you know what I think we should do? You know what I think we should do? Uh, speaking of time, um, because we, we have a lot of people that we, that we say that we go and we, we got to do bring them back, yes. but instead of just, cause I don't think we have plans for really after the new year, other than we don't. probably recapping Christmas and new year's. I think our first podcast after the holiday should be the recap. And then if we can set it up with Scott, if you have the free time, we should just set up like he should be the second podcast of the year just to like pick up where this left off unless we have something else planned. I am down because I didn't talk about how I got started. I I had it all in my head. I was going to tell you the story of how I got started. How did we talk for three hours and 15 minutes? (laughs) And we we didn't talk about main check, the crazy band store. We didn't talk about main check is crazy. We didn't talk about there's so many things. I have a list of shit. Yeah. So. I think we can we can bring it right back because there's a lot of shit we didn't touch yes. on. We can it could be the second let's, episode okay. of the year. L- listen, we will let's literally schedule this when we get to January. We're gonna reach out. I'll reach out to Scott, see what his schedule's looking like, see what everything's looking like, and we can actually factually do this. I'm 100 percent down because I don't even want to stop right now. But in the essence of time, I've been holding in a piss like you wouldn't Yo. <laughs> in the essence of time I had like we have to call it at some point because this will literally go on for four hours like this will be the first yeah. four hour episode it's so bad to the point where I almost high key want to split this episode into two like literally edit it and cut it into where like it's a part one and then a part two and I release them like back to back essentially like one day I release half and I'm not going to do that but I, I literally am thinking about it because it would be kind of cool to also bring people back to the podcast because literally this episode, I think, is one of our absolute best episodes ever. Like, I think this is easily top five episodes we've ever recorded. Easily. God, I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> before we get out of here, I need to give a shout out to the people on our Patreon. So if you made it to this point, you're fucking goaded because we are past the three hour and 15 minute mark. And I don't really have to edit much out of this episode. Uh, so with that being said, I want to give a shout out to Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garen, Xavier, Hiley, and Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Henri Reynolds, CJ, Dad one Dan Vrabel, First to Home, S. Akuma, Mitchell Naus, Midwest Gaming, Dimitri Safiris, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, Hansu, our two-time national champion, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sunny Top Cup Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins, Arale Melfi Slump, Kang Petty, 
Chris Lynn, Jeff Luang. We got two new patrons in the last day. Uh, Blake Jeffrey Smith and Connor LK. Shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for subscribing to yes, the I'm yes. podcast. Both of you guys are at the, what is that? The main no, party member tier. So at the party member tier, shout out to you guys for joining the party member tier. That's the tier where you actually access all of the exclusive videos that are literally not, and they're not posted anywhere else. Like most of them are literally only on Patreon, including full video versions of the podcast like this one, the Master and the Pupil series. There's up to episode seven on that. I think I only put two episodes on YouTube. So there are five additional episodes of Master and the Pupil on our Patreon. Uh, Stango and I have recorded 11 episodes total. So we actually have a backlog that we're just like dropping over time. And there's so much more exclusive content. Um, there's a lot of perks on our Patreon. So check that out, guys, if you are interested. And yeah, with that being said, Scott, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really, yes. really appreciate you giving us this much of your time. I appreciate you also committing to doing another episode with our crazy asses. Like that is that is insane. For sure. Thank you for having me on, man. I had a good ass time. I'm definitely down to come back. Yeah. If you want to give a shout out to anybody or anything, feel free. Um, Shout out to the Bozo Discord. That's about (laughs) it. Yo, Frazier, play in in Pac's little Tuesday thing if you can. I will. I will. Just let me invite me to the server. Tell tell everybody the super ignorance is coming in. I'll definitely, uh, I'm definitely down to play on a Tuesday. Tuesdays are actually a really free day for me too. Like I don't really do much on Tuesdays. So I'm down to do that for sure. Uh, Let me know. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. As I always say, guys, do the things that make you happy, including podcasting with one of your best Yu-Gi-Oh friends in the world. Scott Page, I love you so much. You're literally one of my favorite people. I've been saying it for years. We're lit. Um, got, got good energy. You made it to three plus hours. You're reaching one piece numbers. That is one piece level. That is one piece level, yes. We didn't even talk about anime. You guys know I'm like obsessed with anime, bro, right? Bro, the second <laughs> that's podcast. That's why, that's why you're scheduled for part two, baby. <laughs> no, I'm trolling. Back. I literally, literally don't watch anime. but um, You're coming back. My friends always like always watch anime and I'm just like not about it. Like they're chainsaw man, it's like big right now, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is big. And they always hop into the Discord, right? they're like, yo guys, chainsaw. <laughs> and they all go into a different chat and I'm like, Well, I'm you're alone. Like like yep. oh, I do. I yeah, listen, there are a couple people who we've had on the podcast that are just like, I don't fuck with anime like that. I get mm-hmm. that you guys love it, but I just like Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's as far as it goes for me. Like, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! You. is as far into anime as I go. Yu-Gi-Oh! is nice. Yep, That's funny as shit. All right, well, we're getting the hell out of here. See you guys. Uh, I'll catch you in the next one.